Welcome, welcome, everyone. It is another episode. We are issue two of Krakoa Radio. It is me, your favorite gay. <laughs> Hater of the Eternals, Just X Henry, with my co-host, Black Word. Damn, what's good? The Wind God, Vontae. What's up, what's up? And Dr. Showtime, PhD, EDS, and yep, all let's make let's make sure that we put that respect on the front of my name with the title right. doctor. Thank you so much. Doc- Love y'all. <laughs> Doc- <laughs> doctor, the 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 elixir of of Aquacola Radio, the healer, the fixer. Ew. Um, today we are going to be discussing X Men Onslaught Revelation, X Corp Number Five, X Men Number Three. Then we are going to peek into the world of the death of Doctor Strange. And we are going to close out with the last annihilation. And of course, my lovely co-host, Black Word, has our circuit party topic, which we do not reveal until the end, because that's none of y'all business until we get there. Why are we going to tell you now? That's not how we do this here. So, greedy. <laughs> right. So we're going to open the show with Dr. Deaconess, Pastor, Dentist. Esquire. Esquire. Mm-hmm. Keep it coming. Showtime. Guess me up. <laughs> uh, the onslaught uh, revelation hit it all right so onslaught revelations is actually i guess technically way of x number six but it is the closeout of the way of x story um written by uh simon spurrier so it opens up with um onslaught having taken over charles xavier and um and Magneto um, trying to get rid of the uh, the backup of, of everybody's mind in Cerebro. Um, and as part of that, uh, Legion, and, <clears throat> Legion and, and Nightcrawler have sort of formulated a plan uh, to free Pixie from the uh, control of Onslaught. Um, and in doing so, um, allow Pixie to be able to use her soul dagger uh, to free others from the control of Onslaught since uh, there was a recent massacre that everybody got resurrected and then got infected with the Onslaught bug, um, which is gross, but whatever. Uh, so as part of that, um, Nightcrawler teleports Pixie into Legion's mindscape uh, and then uh, in the process of doing so is able to uh, release her from Onslaught's control. Um, uh, and as part of that, we see um, that the uh, girls on uh, Krakoa have decided to throw a party under Onslaught's control. Um, and then uh, we have a conversation between uh, Cortez uh, and Lost and Nightcrawler um, as uh, Onslaught's uh, uh, origin onto the island of Krakoa and uh, invasion and inclusion into the resurrection process is explained um, that <clears throat> that uh, Orcus actually had kidnapped uh, Lost after her parents had been killed and infected her with um, a piece of, of onslaught uh, and then sent her to Krakoa uh, to be uh, eventually somehow killed and then at part of the resurrection protocol um, brought in and then that's how uh, Onslaught was able to uh, infect the uh, resurrection process. 
we also see a little bit of backstory uh, for Cortez sort of explaining why he never chose a uh, code name, why he decided to go uh, with just his regular human name, um, that essentially his powers make him always second fiddle to somebody else that he would empower, that he would never be the central storyline of uh, his quest for power. So he always had uh, to sidle himself up to somebody who had um, more power than he did. Uh, and that's why he chose uh, Magneto, who was the most powerful person uh, that he could uh, basically stuck up to at the time. Uh, we see uh, Pixie now freed from um, the control of Onslaught and using her soul dagger to free uh, various mutants, starting with Magneto. Uh, she's able to free Magneto um, while he's meeting with Charles Xavier, but uh, Xavier eventually escapes uh, as the part of that. Um, Cortez and Lost have a like lovey-dovey hug moment uh, where um, Lost's um, hatred for Cortez is what allowed uh, Orcus to tie in uh, Onslaught into her soul uh, to uh, infect Krakoa. Uh, and then as part of her forgiving uh, Cortez, uh, she's able to release that. And um, then the infection of uh, Onslaught no longer has a hold on her or on a place on the island. Um, all the girls get freed from um, the control of Onslaught, and then they just go party in um, whatever the name of this space is. I forgot what they called it uh, for uh, the Mindscape and Legion's Head. Um, as Onslaught is released in oh, the House of L, the, the altar at the House of L. Okay. Um, as Onslaught is released from uh, the mutants on Krakoa, um, he actually decides to take over Charles Xavier's uh, body. Um, and he grows massive and he doesn't look like the onslaught that we had seen previously. So when I first read it, I definitely missed that. Um, but he uh, takes over Charles and is trying to then murder everybody on the island um, as he has already deleted their cerebral backups so that their resurrection protocols would be uh, null and void. They wouldn't be able to uh, complete resurrection. They would just all be dead. Um, so at this point, uh, Dust is actually brought into the House of L um, with uh, Cortez, uh, Legion Lost, and Nightcrawler. Um, and then they explain her powers as being able to control several billions of particles at once. And they use that in a weird, like, spiritual way that she's able to tag into um, each of the mutants that are now partying inside Legion's head. Um, and uh, spread the uh, cure of onslaught, and then they take <clears throat> they take over um, their spirits and uh, use that to somehow cleanse Charles of the onslaught infection overall. Um, and then it's explained that uh, Nightcrawler is creating. They say it's not a religion; that it's more of a culture, um, but an understanding that um, the spark of loving your fellow mutant um, should be what allows you to stay uh, free and understanding of respecting the three laws of Krakoa, um, to respect the sacred land, create more mutants, and I forgot what the third one is. Then we see towards the end of the book that they are going to uh, essentially create a, um, a, a 
essentially what we said on the uh, Twitter spaces uh, where they're going to create a police force that is um, the members of the Way of X book, largely. Um, we see a, pre a preview that has Dr. Nemesis, Pixie, Nightcrawler, Juggernaut. It looks to be maybe Dust in the background, um, Box, and a freshly resurrected uh, Blindfold. So that should be an interesting um, book to come up at some point in the future. Overall, Onslaught Revelations sort of um, ended really anticlimactic for me, uh, but I see where that they're using um, this to sort of set up for something moving on, moving along in the future. Um, yeah, I just, you know, like you said, the, the, the tea is, this was nothing more than um, Way of X number six. Um, I feel like um, they're doing this thing with these X books where like versus just going to more issues like they should deal with Excalibur. I'm not Excalibur, I'm X Factor with the Trial of Magneto. Just like all these books are just like, it's like they're kind of like trying to cash grab us for more number ones. And I'm just like, you should have just kept the books, just kept going. Like we still would have kept on reading. Like I don't understand why we needed a, a book for, and this is a one shot too. So it wasn't like, it was like a chapter of things like Trial of Magneto is, which I can kind of understand why they gave that separate book versus keeping X Factor going. But this is this is just, this is literally like, literally way of X number six. And I read it and I just like, literally didn't understand what was going on. Um, shout out to Dope Spill Comics on YouTube because I had to watch his video to figure out what this book was really about. Um, I didn't grasp half the shit that was going on. Um, I will say that like this upcoming team of people look interesting because Juggernaut's a human, and what well, they say there's two sacrilegious things on the team: um, a precog and a human. I'm trying to figure out. And all white people. Right, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> That's a capital sin to me. Like, honestly, what's the, how are you gonna showcase dust like that and then not include her on the team? Right, what's the tea lifting? I need to know what's going she on. She might be in that background because it looks like there's a dust cloud in the back of this damn picture. So, so any dust really cloud we see from now on or any Marvel comic is just gonna be dust. I agree. We're just gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna go into the Wikipedia and edit it and say dust featured in the background. Yeah. Is, is that forget I mean, me? They not? better put her on the team. Yeah, that's forget me not. Yeah, they better put Which her on the I team. Thought, they... Forget me not is such a niche character. <laughs> Like his whole thing, in case people don't know, because I don't expect you, a lot of people I found out have not read, read those comics during the time after AVX, where it was just a bunch of people dicking around with the X-Men stuff. And there was a character that exists who evidently has existed all along since the first team, I think, um, whose power is literally to telepathically and physiologically force people to forget his forget he existed. And literally, it's so powerful that he is like the most lonely existence you probably think of. He handles everything behind the scenes that the X-Men doesn't know about. He's like a covert ops agent for Charles Xavier. Because Charles Xavier is the only person who knew he existed. Um, forget me not set up a, like a mental, had Charles Xavier set up a psychic, you know, reminder for every 15 minutes, even when he's sleeping, to remember that forget me not exists so that he can actualize like his existence and go there and help him and just be a friend, which is kind of like the only good thing I could say that Charles Xavier has always ever done. Um, I can't ever compliment that man because as soon as I do, he does something terrible like five seconds later. So the one good thing he did was that he was like this mutant who 
I can use, but also is lonely because no one can remember him. Let me make sure that he has someone looking out for him. And so Forgive Me Not is extremely loyal to Charles Xavier because of that moment of him doing that. He also was really pissed at um, Cyclops for killing him because like that means he's the only person who ever knew he existed, now doesn't. The miniseries was just very brief and it was just not that pivotal, but it was like a fun thing that sometimes writers just get to do with X characters where you can just go like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if there's a mutant who had this tragic fucking power that really sounds more like an inconvenience than an actual gift? <laughs> and forgive me not as one of those characters. I did not expect them to whip that nigga out. I did not. He's not a character I really thought I'd ever see again. I thought about like, oh, what funny things is forget me not doing on the island? They even remember to invite him. Turns out, yes, he's there. He's been popping up in the background on several things. I think I saw him in Excalibur once and something else that I saw. I was like, who the fuck? <laughs> Where does this nigga come from? <laughs> who this nigga? But no, I, I I definitely agree. I think this really could have just been way of X um six but i think i i recognize what they're trying to do because also there's a benefit in just splitting up the comic books like that in that you can say you can mess with the timetable of like krakoa's existence because technically we haven't been around for a year krakoa hasn't been in existence for more than a year and so what the x team seems to be able to do is that they can dilate time a bit more by not having a comic go on to like let's say a hundred issues because then that's like Say that in one issue, sometimes we go between one or two days of events in one issue. If you get to like a 20 issue mark, you can't justifiably just go like, oh, we're still in the same year. You have to like realize that readers are going to look at that and go, this isn't happening in the same year. This has been like 10, this has been at least one year total. And so with Inferno around the corner, I feel like they probably split it up so that we don't anticipate like the quote unquote nothing happening that happens sometimes in comics where they're like, oh, this is a really big event. And you're like, okay, this is a big event, but this other comic that you know we're reading doesn't mention it at all. I think it just is a built-in like shutoff system. I'm not saying I like it. I really don't. Um, <laughs> it's not a good setup because I would really prefer some of these storylines to keep going because they, they abruptly end them so many times that it feels like okay, so what does this exist in the grand scheme of this character? And it's not like it's going to be like Sync, where the situation itself in one comic carried over to another, or a situation like Prodigy, where we're probably never going to see him deal with the fact that that very clear trauma he experienced, like being murdered and having his corpse literally most likely sexually assaulted, you know, trigger warning. Um, and like, there's just so many things that just got cut off and like they're trying to do these new pivotal things in the comics today, but it's if it doesn't get the energy and attention of how important that thing should be, it doesn't feel like it's worth it at all. Um, but at the same time, I will say that I know last week I discussed not liking Onslaught. I think I prefer this version of Onslaught more than anything else. I think mostly because it leans more heavily on Charles Xavier's evils than it does on Magneto's. Like his new evil form that he received, where he got like he got like the new cerebral helmet as a dome, and his whole body is basically just Xavier's costume. And the only things you see really of Magneto is the metal claws and the color of the helmet itself, which I think is a brilliant way of saying that a lot of the evil that everyone blamed that manifested in Onslaught that they blamed on Magneto was really a lot more about Xavier. And it's easier to realize that. 
yeah, I just really thought it was sort of interesting that they chose to do a one-shot to handle Onslaught when the last major time we saw Onslaught, he had a whole saga that was like 50 fucking issues long. They also brought him into that um, Axis event too, but he was a part of a Red Skull, I think. Mm-hmm. We choose to acknowledge that that didn't happen. Yeah, okay. we went for the ex, <laughs> uh, the writing room to acknowledge that never happened as well, and give us back Wanda and Quicksilver. I think one good thing I heard is that that thing really just pushed Quicksilver aside and ruined his entire like story arc because it's like, why the fuck? What do you care about if you're not a mutant? Because the only thing you really cared about was being a mutant and wanting to bang your sister. But and it's not like you're his daddy. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Now he has nothing, and now that's why you've not seen him do anything but be an absentee father. Um, does he even remember he has that little girl? No. Does Crystal no, does remember not. that she has that little girl either? No. She was too mm-hmm. caught up in other things, you know. Actually, you know, I don't know. Fucking all her. Um, get down to. Fucking all. No, I'm sorry. That's backwards. Um, having all her men be fucked by her sister. Yeah, <laughs> eugenics. I think eugenics is a part of that as well. Um, collecting DNA because you know <laughs> their species is really, 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 really genetically tragic. So, mm-hmm. once we need to drag the Inhumans, I think we're adding that to the list of potential topics for a circuit party because I think mm-hmm. it's past time to drag that entire species because there is nothing on the table. You know, Henry likes to make fun of the Eternals. At least the Eternals aren't the Inhumans. No, so I mean, because like, it's giving the hills have eyes. Um, it's giving... Uh, inbred <laughs> thoughts, like... <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I can't... That's what, mm-hmm. Maybe gross. that's where we should send Fenris. Fenris should go to the Inhumans, Kalik. You know, no, I think no, he would like no. Attila. Bury them under the rubble in Genvo- in sorry, in uh, Genosha, and uh, leave us the fuck alone. <laughs> you know, I think well, I would much prefer IDX. I, I just wanted to mention like one more thing um, about like the upcoming um, Legionaries. So I'm not. I really want, I'm ready to admit my one weakness. I'm not sure if Legionaries is a reference because, you know, every title we've gotten so far has been a reference to an older team. Um, but I want to discuss the X snitches real quick because they're getting cops on Krakoa. And, you know, the first thing people say whenever there's a utopia of some sort, let's have cops. Cops make everything better. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. No, cops are never necessary. But I wanted to see what your guys' feelings about like the upcoming Legionaries event and what we should potentially expect from this in that Nightcrawler is leading it, but also we have now established in Way of X that Nightcrawler, despite being called the quote-unquote, you know, morality of the X-Men, he has his blind spots, and those blind spots are induced by his Western philosophies and his religion. Um, it colors everything he does. So what do y'all look forward to happening or expect to happen in Legionaries? I think if they're smart, they'll find a way to do this so that they're not so blatantly like cops, for real, for real. Um, that they're more so like a um, social support group, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. that if there's, because the whole purpose of Way of X was uh, to determine uh, what the three laws of Krakoa actually meant, uh, and that uh, they interpreted 
uh, respect this land as respect your fellow mutants. So I think it would just be conflict resolution type of shit, even though I have no idea why the fuck Juggernaut is around. I, zero idea. But, you know, I think we'll figure that out. Did you read the Juggernaut miniseries? I did. I think this is just his his chance to kind of redeem himself. Because Juggernaut has always been a person who's been confused to be a mutant. Like, because he's so involved with the mutants that everyone's like, oh, well, you're Charles Xavier's brother, so of course you're a mutant. It's like, no, and actually, I'm just a, I'm just a dude X-Men with a crystal. Made him a mutant also. Yeah, I think yeah. I respect that more. I respect that more, especially because I think they also did an X-Men Evolution. I think he's a mutant. Because um, it just simplifies the storyline other than him. Like, oh, he found this magic crystal and then he became he suddenly got a magical cosmic temp with this thing that's actually technically a demon. And say- he just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you say? I didn't hear You said cosmic pimp. Did you just say cosmic oh, pimp? Yeah, this is cosmic pimp. Yes. Um, it's the truth about all of the Eldritch beings. We'll get to that later in, in days uh in the death of Doctor Strange. But literally every cosmic entity you can think of is just a is a magical pimp. That's all they are. <gasps> they lend you magic and they expect deeds to be done in return. It's never free. Nothing in magic is free. They're cosmic pimps. And if you're a D&D player and you ever played a warlock, you know that's exactly right. It's a magical pimp. That's all it ever is. I can't. I can't. I can't. I give you magic powers. I'll let you do what you do. But, you know, once every year, you got to give me what I'm looking for. Now, you got to kick some sugar back up to daddy. And that's exactly how it works. If Ashanti are like that, Sidorak is like that, but Dormammu... I'm girls. just putting it out there. All right. the girls. Even Brother Voodoo, but the Loa are at least nice about it. Except for Ogun. But I don't expect people to know anything about that. Not a lot I of mean, people read that. The Orisha um, be with the shits too, because Bastion checked T'Challa one, three, seven hundred times. We could talk about that, because there's two different Orisha in the Marvel Universe, and it's just because people don't co-sign a lot of magical universe shit they just do it and then the one there's no magical marvel office like there's an x office you know so people just do shit but there's like multiple orisha and for some reason it's just because people go well black people they need their own thing that's still the orisha in there but there's like a whole thing to that yeah there's a whole pantheon of orisha and then there's the wakandan orisha the wakandan orisha the pantheon orisha and then there's the loa which are a whole other thing, but they're on the level of the Asgardians, but yet they're more powerful God. It's a weird thing. We'll get to it later. But any other ideas, questions, thoughts about, you know, the Way of X finale, aka um, Onslaught Revelations? Other than the fact that Dust um, needs more respect, I really liked her powers being broadened in this way. Oh, I really liked that um, that they mentioned um, that dust is an inaccurate explanation of dust power. That her her um, power that her code name should have been Congregation because of how her powers work. Yeah, like, her powers are way more complex key. than just turning into sand. Like her power is like every particle she breaks down into is made of silicone. Yes, but it's also like an aspect of it that's psychic, and she's telepathically connected to every particle of her body. Um, she's immune to magic and like telepathy when she's in that form. It's a lot involved with her. And I wish they would have just went full fist with it and went like whoever called you dust is just being racist because they were. 
But that's maybe, not what your power really is. Maybe that's what that's paying the girls. That's what she was paying the girls. Dust. That's probably why she chose that name. She don't be seeing it for the rest. Of the girls. Mm-hmm. I, said, I said my name is Dust, not because of what I do, because what I pay the girls. And Dusty rolling through and be like, "So what is it that you need? You need right. me to do this one thing? All right." right. She, get she very much so gives Monet's unbothered level of yeah. uh, unbotheredness. I will yeah, say that she, she tried it with Storm. She said, you know, the Omegas came here and they were just doing whatever and they didn't worry about the natural phenomenon that occur on this planet, like the weather. And, you know, I'm like, you're going to say that about a planet Storm made, Storm whose whole power is the weather. And she teaches natural phenomenon. I was like, that's a little bit of shade, girl, but we're going to let it slide because you know we know you would stand to, all right? We know that. So that's, that's it. Y'all not fucking her, feeding her, and financing her. I'm gonna say what the fuck I wanna say, and none of y'all can beat my ass. That's how that's be handling the girl. She ain't scared of nobody. Say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try you because you're a little girl. You're a little, you're a whole child, but respect your elders. Okay, X Corps number five, the finale. <laughs> so the finale. Did you say the finale? It said the yeah. end at the end of X Corp. It did, and I'm very confused because a lot of these books have been um, don't have any solicitations moving forward past December. So I'm like, is everything wrapping up at Inferno, and then they're just restarting, or what is what's happening? Oh God! Wait, I, I feel like so. I feel like they're doing it as a whole thing of like, oh, it's the end, the end, the end, the end, and then Inferno's going to happen. Then they're going to either restart or they're getting new names. All right, so uh, here we are. Um, Black Warrior, go ahead and do X Corp number five, and this is the last issue. Why did I miss that? We'll see. Because it's a very forgettable um, issue. That's why. So, what happens in X Corp number five, which is so, I hate not liking these comics because the cover art for these are always so phenomenal. Because um, it opens with like a really nice splash page of X Corp. Instead of saying like it's number five, it's five milligrams. Um, because they're a pharmaceutical company and technically that's evil, but we're not going to talk about that. This is ex-capitalism. It's supposed to be quote unquote different. Um, but as we learned, it's not. So we're in the middle of the attack. Um, the Mad Rocks dupes are all holding the soldiers hostage and like trying to be respectful towards them in like these humans, these flat scan motherfuckers are getting rude and belligerent. Um, and then they start popping drugs, um, while the dupes are being stupid and just, more worried about the surrounding events than they are about the prisoners who just try to murder them. Um, they take these experimental drugs and it has these disastrous side effects of turning them into like berserker monsters who start like wrecking dupes left and right. Um, and then we move on to the battle between Defenderous Twins against Archangel and Penance. Um, the fight is supposed to be really quick because Fenderus has a very specific weakness in that they need to be holding each other's hands to access the full levity of their powers. Um, they're they're one of the few things that are very similar to Monet, Monet's younger siblings, and that their powers rely on their sibling bond to activate. Um, they have a full length of stuff, very much also like it's like several mutants kind of like that also. Um, North Star and his sister are like that. There's a whole philosophy, I think, about mutants being siblings or being close, that it changes their physio- their physiological abilities. But it's supposed to be a moment of like, oh, but look at how close 
Archangel and Penance have gotten and that they're fighting together in a way that's really similar too. They don't need to touch each other to be in sync, but I don't think they, they have earned that over the comic book. I think they've been more in discord than actual unity almost every single issue so far. They have not furthered the relationship. Monet really isn't that type of girl to hang out with you outside of work hours. She doesn't hit you up. She won't show up to work until it's time to be at work. This isn't when it's, it's Thanksgiving. Um, I'm like, y'all literally just got done fighting. Y'all fought. Y'all didn't have a conversation. Y'all fought each other. And y'all tried to say, oh, yeah, this is how we talk. We all were raised as child soldiers for Charles Xavier. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. This is not a healthy work environment. Y'all aren't friends. And so, yeah, they basically go down and start fighting the twins. Um, they separate them really easy because, duh, they both have super speed and the Fender's twins don't. Um, and somehow they're fighting in the air. They're going toe-to-toe, tit-for-tat. Um, Penance is going for blood. Archangel is like, I'm going to save you guys because you're still mutants. And I'm like, just fucking kill them already. Like, this is not, it doesn't need to be another 10 pages of you guys fighting. Kill them and move on. Um, but they don't. They spare them a lot. And so things start going left as the fight continues. Um, then old girl, the white woman, I'm sorry, I don't know her name. All these white women who turn into villains in these ex-comics turn into the same person, really. There's like a, this is a recurring trait of like, oh, I have no powers. I'm just evil white woman, girl boss energy. And so I'm going to be here and laugh maniacally at I screw you, screw you over with money. Um, she meets Trinary. Trinary is like, okay, girl, I'm not one of these killer mutants. I'm actually just a communist who got wrapped up into this. I'm a revolutionary, but I don't kill when I don't have to. So I'm going to help you out real quick. Stay with me. You stay here with me. You won't get killed. Um, Trinary shows that she is a superior moral compass here, and they still pass over her promotion, but whatever. Um, and she breaks down like the effects of the drugs, and then Trinary is like, okay, cool. You guys are kind of insane for like poisoning yourselves and destroying your bodies just because you hate us so much. And this is a recurring trait, I think, throughout this entire issue is that the links that humanity will go to take out mutants and anyone who's different or more powerful than them because it's like a jealousy thing. And they make it quite clear that this is a envious sport. It's not about power. Well, it is about power, but it's not about, oh, we're just ignorant. It's like we know directly what we're dealing with. Um, and we know that this is just going to be like the thing that's just going to happen because we see you and we're threatened by you, um, which is a really important, I think, conversation on what, you know, marginalization looks like on this level. I will respect S Corp in that it understands like when you elevate these the, the themes you're looking at with race or being marginalized in any way, you're not just looking at people who are ignorant. You're looking at an institution that wants to rely on the same old establishments that want to maintain power or encourage their power, but they're being opposed by this thing that offers something that they are intrinsically incapable of competing with. Um, within, you know, X Corp is the fact that they're mutants. And so anything they bring out will be something that humanity could never replicate. It's not a fair, you know, it's not a level system in capitalism right there when you want to compete against the, you want to appease the, the demand with your supply, but if the supply requires you to be born a certain way or brought up in a certain culture, you cannot inherently do anything with that. Um, so they're ostracized from it, and they don't like that shit. So the Fenris twins go into the core from there and just start going real left. And they're saying all these things about the loopholes, about 
the three laws of Krakoa, which is the fact that they will be forgiven for anything and they know it. So Fenris is like, you know, they wanted to play with nice with the mutants. They wanted to change who they are, but they're like, but you guys didn't give us a chance. You guys never really accepted us. No one on the island accepts us. And we were entitled to the same amnesty as everyone else. It's very much Fabian Cortez energy, which is their white privilege. They're realizing doesn't extend to their mutant realm. And they want to be as easily forgiven as all these other murderers. But it's like, what you did was kind of different. You were a racist. Like, literally, the last time I personally, me, Steven, uh, me, Blackword, has ever seen the Fenris twins, they were on the cusp of calling Black Panther the N-word. And no lie, I remember that. I will never forgive them for that shit. So, no, you can't be forgiven. You need to die. Um, they. This is probably right before the Way of X, where they decide to tr intrinsically change how they view the three laws because they are very much breaking the respective land protocols um, here when they're saying that we're going to blow up X-Corp's um, headquarters and we're going to cause a whole meltdown and everyone here is going to die, us included, but we're all going to be resurrected and none of us is going to remember it because we timed this to be outside of the um, reboot of Cerebro so none of us will have a save file. Um, we'll all die, and the only people who remember this will be us, because we wrote a note to ourselves to remind us that we did this, and we're going to get we're going to get off on the idea that we got you back for everything you did to us. So it was real petty and it was real racist. Um, and I'm really shocked that they're doing this to their fellow Aryan king, um, Warren, Warren Worthington III. You know, he is a blue-eyed, blonde, white man, and I would think they would love that a lot more. But I guess. Being blue also eliminates his white privilege. And so they're really going, they're going for gold with this one. Um, Monet snaps and she low-key just starts beating the shit out of them. Um, and then you cut to Celine Galileo, the actual star of the show, who is kind of dealing with the boss dude. And he's really just going off. And he's like, where are you guys? You're supposed to be helping me out with this. The twins aren't responding because they really didn't fuck with humans neither. They don't like them neither. They think mutants are the superior race. They just don't like how they've been treated. Um, on the island, and so they're trying to make a power grab. But Celine Galileo finds him. The dude tries to shoot a god for some reason. He thinks that's going to work. Celine is over it immediately and just starts doing her sexy thing, which is she walks up to people and she has like a whole. I know this is what you Celine for. She just gives monologues, right? She's a dramatic ass person. She gives a monologue about how worthless he is. And in the grand scheme of things, she's like, you know, I've done evil shit. I'm not apologizing for it. Um, I will continue to do evil shit. But she's like, but there was a difference between when I was evil the last 2,000 some odd years and your new evil. And she says, I don't respect it. And the thing I don't respect is that you guys are incapable of understanding what you actually are when you're doing these things. Um, and so she's just like goes in for the vampire drain thing that she does. But this dude has physiologically altered himself to like be poisonous to people like Celine. I guess he just expected a psychic vampire bullshit um, and tries to poison her. And Celine, I'm not sure. This is the part that gets kind of confusing. There's like a little skirmish between her and him. But it's after this effect, after this all goes down. Celine is shown to be standing next to Mastermind as if nothing had actually happened. So it's looking like the entire thing that he just did was an illusion. And Celine was just like, I, he's just been on the ground here for a while. So let's just keep torturing him. So Mastermind and Celine just go have their shits and giggles because they're still evil. They've never changed. And also Mastermind is still a creepy, creepy, creepy person. 
Um, but that doesn't change the fact that the, the core is still about to explode because the Fenris twins kind of got away with it in the end. Um, and so we get to see Matterox have, have one of the first um, self-motivated circuits, mutant circuits, where he creates this thing called the Buckyball Protocol, where because his power works through kinetic energy, he creates numerous groups of dupes and each one absorbs the incoming kinetic energy from the explosion and they transfer it to one another and they create a network like a matrix where the energy just passively slides through each of them and goes out through another one and therefore the explosion is neutralized and this is a protocol they set up in case the core went out and it's the only way they can justify having a core that powerful is because the dupes exist um there's a whole spreadsheet about it and it's all full with quips and shit um but basically, yeah, that's the whole protocol in itself. It's a whole thing as a safety feature that only mutants can do. Um, the issue wraps up with Matt Rocks coming back out of the um, resurrection protocol in the hatchery. And he's there with his wife and kid. And he's having a really cute moment. And he's like, oh, I guess you guys did this without me. Because his dupes didn't disappear when he died. He thought that was going to be the case, but it wasn't. Um, so he's like, I actually can go and live my life and go home and not be a working man anymore, and I can still have happiness. Um, in the end, the blonde, evil white woman joins Orcus as an agent. Trinary is promoted to the board, and they're talking about being excited for the future, but that's ironic because this is the last issue. So that was S Corp. Um, way longer than it actually needs to be. There was nothing feeling like, like it needed to be resolved here. Um, this was just one long capitalism era issue, um, and I'm really disappointed in that because I thought it would be way better than this. I think an issue where they weren't focusing on being superheroes as much could have had the appeal that X-Force had, but it just, not X-Force, the original, like, um, I don't space on the name, the detective agency. X-Factor? Yes, X-Factor. Thank you. X-Factor had that appeal to be like a noir yeah, X-Factor Investigations. So um, within that, it could have had the appeal of that noir, like, oh, this is an alternative kind of comic book. This one, it didn't feel like it was sticking wholeheartedly to the believability of just being a company. Um, because I think they really just went in and focused on the intrigue of like some scandal type shit. It would have been way better. But overall, it wasn't giving scandal. It wasn't even giving TNT daytime drama. It was... You know, this was a rerun you'll see on a channel you only know about because your grandmother watches it. This was getting an oxygen movie. No, that's what it was giving. It was giving a lifetime movie about being a strong girl boss in corporate America. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. There are so, you, so, you, so you want to say the X-Corp was an MLM scheme? Yes, it was. It's giving pyramid scheme, definitely. Um, I it's, giving, think, it's giving Herbalife. They were Herbalife. They they shoot those like old. They have a. I feel like the characters in S Corp like they have a Facebook account and they're the ones that go like, "Hey, chunky mommy, I heard you were looking for a job and I have the best news for you. I've been oh, wait, wait, part wait, wait. of. It's giving forex. <laughs> S Corp is the forex of the of S Corp is cryptocurrency. Yes. Yes. I can't stand that shit, and all them niggas be trying to follow me on Instagram and Twitter and shit. Ugh, stop messaging me. I don't care about this shit. Leave me alone. You want to help turning $15 into 1500 
do you want to become your own boss? You want to become your own manager? You want to wake up and grind like me? You know, just give me like 15 of your friends and I'll add them to my unit. And then you get to be your own boss, generating your own income for a small one-time donation of (laughs) $40,000. Like, remember like everybody doing those, like those pyramid scheme susus like during the pandemic? Yes. Yeah, the little eight uh, cash app thing. That's yeah, true. like, yeah. like what my friends were doing said it was working, but he was like, "You got to ask." I'm not asking my friends to donate money. No, I'm not doing that. So you know what we do when we extremely hate a comic book as much as we do? We suggest things to make it better. And I think this would have been better if they leaned into the villainous role. Just go for capitalism, some mutant growth hormone to a bunch of humans. I would do that. I would find a way to make mutant growth hormones. Like, have you ever wanted to feel special? That's a good competitor organization. A good competitor uh, to S Corp would be a company that was selling mutant growth hormone with quote unquote none of the side effects, even though they clearly do, and trying to get that through the CDC. And S Corp going, no, we need to stop this. You niggas are literally selling mutant drugs. You're trying to sell our genetics to flat scans. We're not down with that. And literally the first situation, the first issue is a human on M, a mutant growth hormone gets through the portal. I, how fucked up that would be? I really enjoyed that idea. I actually do like their use of Celine and Mastermind here because they make sense. Um, also, I agree. quietly, this is the first time that we learned Trinary's actual real name. Oh, shit, it is. Yeah, because we didn't... Um... We didn't learn that in X Men It's called a trinary. I got they to were that, that gambit with us. I got to that last page and was like, "Wait, who the hell is this? Who the hell is Shuba? <laughs> who is that? Is that trinary?" They gave her a name, <laughs> and then they update they um upgraded uh Warren's title to chair of the board. Okay, of course, of course. Oh, he's basically the figurehead. He's trying to keep his hands clean. Yeah, that, that's 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 that's, 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 that, that's quite that's quite interesting. <laughs> it's literally where he needs to be. He needs to be in a Batman position when he don't show up unless someone asks for him. Because I'm like Monet led his entire organization. Monet was the one making the moves, and like I don't want to say it like he did nothing or he wasn't. But, but I think, but that's the problem. But that's the problem, friend. That's the problem. Why the black woman got to be the one who's really the brains, and the white man is the face. That's also the thing. I think also just because Monet is not a nice person. Let's let's be clear. She's not a nice person. (laughs) She would not be good as a face because she will walk to a a room where she needs to meet with someone and then call you an asshole to your face and then mentally violate you. Let's not forget the first thing she did when she met a competitor was try to psychically intrude on her. So I, and it's 100% in her character and that's how I love her. But I'm like, Warren is definitely like, he's a character who's like, I'm not bad at business. I'm actually really good at it. Um, I'm the best. He's like literally the person who's keeping the X Men afloat financially. Without Charles Xavier, was Warren. He was the bank behind the the X Men for like years. So he's good with money, but I don't think he's good at making CEO decisions of like we need to do some underhanded shit. Um, that's to get why um, the four CXOs are Monet, Celine, uh, Mastermind, and Trinary. Trinary is clearly only there to be the morality compass. And also the rest of them are just with the shits. And also, it's good to have a technopath around when you're going to be doing some stuff with capitalism. True. It's like it was either her or Hijack. And we have not seen Hijack in years. Hijack hasn't been seen since um, Cyclops died in IDX. Hijack actually wouldn't be really great here because he, uh, 
doesn't necessarily talk through the internet. He just controls technology in front of him. He's, I, I won't say like they're complete total opposites of each other. I'm like, yeah, Trinary, she can mentally direct machines to do stuff, but her power seems to be limited in how she can direct it, but she can easily talk to machines. Hijack, if he tells your gun to stop working, it doesn't matter if it has electricity or not, your gun won't work. He is... He's more he's the top three technology in front of you, and she is distanced technology. So she can, if it's connected to the internet, she's good. Because she knows how to hack and everything. She knows all that naturally. Hijack doesn't, and yet things just do what he tells them to. It's really interesting. I appreciated Hijack for when he appeared because he was the only adult on the team, but also he's the only person with realistic expectations. And I like the fact that he kind of like slam dunked on Shield by like they brought the helicarriers and sentinels out, and then Hijack was just like, hey turn off and then all this shit just shut down immediately that was beautiful i enjoy shit like that i like when mutants flex on humans who rely on things that situationally the x-men have not been good at like machines um but all in all i i am kind of disappointed i like you don't bring out celine galileo like make it work for time because <laughs> i'm like celine is the only villain i can say is the one of the actual people on earth who i can see like oh she goes up against storm i'm like that's gonna be an equal fight that's gonna be a fair fight and you can't bring someone with storm levels of intrigue and esteem and waste her time because I'm like, she has girl bosses too. She probably has a a, a basement full of human slaves that, you know, <laughs> that Charlie Xavier doesn't know about that she's torturing on repeat. I would want to see her come back around and when Sebastian Shaw is finally killed in the Hellfire Club as the Black Queen and she can pick whoever the fuck she wants to work with her. I don't know. I think, or I think, I think, I think, didn't they like allude to the fact that like they are, someone is aware that she killed people in that Captain America book? Yeah, they, they mentioned that. Um, I think, was it, I don't think it was this issue. It was that guy, it was right? Yeah, it yeah, was the, um, the leader of the Cole, whatever, I think that's his name, whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, because like, I think, I, I, I hate to say that like Celine's clock is ticking slowly. They about to out her real quick, and I think it's coming soon. I do like them both on the team because they are immensely fucking uh, entertaining as fuck when they are working together. And I think it's a duo that I never like expected to ever see in comics together working together. And it's um, not just Celine. Mastermind killed people too. And Hellions. He was responsible for Martinique murdering. And like Mastermind's also been like, I'm not changing my ways. Because Mastermind is also like literally evil. He's not, he's not misunderstood. He's not he's like oh i was a mutant and then everyone hated me he's literally just a like you were sexually assaulting gene gray when for the dark phoenix force we haven't forgotten that and you enjoyed it and you tried to fuck her daughter like it was he's not okay and so he did something i really have wanted to see like okay celine killed people Massmon killed people celine has proven in his caliber that she's completely willing to betray mutants um if it would benefit her i'm like what's going on here that these two are not just positioning themselves for power in X-Corp, but are like lobbying it, lobbying for it heavily. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I just... I just think they I, ran out of, they they got bored and were like, let's go fuck with some humans. That's all they wanted. I just feel like, I feel like what, what they're trying to do is, is like world building, but I think that like some of these things could have been background stories and other books versus them because they're world building. That's why they keep making these all these dumbass books. Like, not saying that Fallen Angels was anything great either, but that Fallen Angels thing led into Hellions and indirectly, and, and all these books are building on top of each other. But 
I just feel like I still don't understand why we had to we had to go through all uh you know mutant capitalism to see that. Like I don't know what that was even for. And it wasn't even like it was, it was real mutant capitalism. The capitalism they were showing us was like kind of like a parody. It's like there's nothing here I would believe about them like handling shit like this. And I'm like, if you're gonna be a capitalist, push the envelope, be do some unscrupulous shit. We know pharmaceuticals are like the evilest corporation that exists in this country in this country. They'll cure a disease and then go, we can't put this out, and then like literally just sit on it and say, if anyone say anything, we sue in your ass. Or your family gets sick from the drug that you take and you say out loud like hey i got sick from taking your drugs they'll sue you into poverty and then like own your name basically just for the audacity of you even saying it out loud um so yeah i just i wanted more from this comic book because it has celine and i like celine Galileo and monet is a powerhouse of a character but now we're probably not going to be able to see them in anything because they're going to be like in the grand scheme of the Dawn of X. Um, they're going to be wrapped up as X Corp. Like all the characters who get used, unless they're deliberately shuffled out of the thing, they leave them in those organizations and they just exist there in the greater peripheral. Like we, last time we heard of Celine Galileo, she was serving an important role. She was like operating the power um, balance for Krakoa. Like she was monitoring if it's going to be taking too much for mutants and she was also feeding off of that so she doesn't have to do it she was like doing an important thing and then suddenly now she's not well she could still be doing it because they still use bishop in every fucking book on every goddamn team that nigga is booked and busy they work in bishop like a slave <laughs> well he well he isn't he part of the um the Krakowin captains like isn't he one of them He's a war captain. He's on the waters. Yeah. He's showing up whenever S-Corp needs him. I think literally an aspect of his power is he doesn't need to sleep because he absorbs energy. So, like, he I mean, just but, like, stays up. Wasn't he, wasn't he on... Didn't he have something to do with sword, too? I could have sworn he was on, like, a sword comic. I think they rented him out for a second, I think. I'm not sure they really have him. But it's also ironic that he's not on the on the, um, on the the X-Cops team. No, he's not one of the ex niches, and he's a cop. Oh, that's right. He is a cop. But so is Cable, technically. I think if I had to call a cop, I'm not calling Cable. Cable, I'm calling, I would call Bishop before I call Cable, honestly. I mean, it's not even just because Bishop, uh, Bishop is Black. It's also because Bishop seems to be more capable than Cable is. Kind of getting something done. You call Cable in, and he's like, oh, yeah, I get the job done because I'm Cable. I'm a soldier, and my father was before me. And it's like, you kind of not. You kind of aren't. Like, I don't – you do things. I know you do. It's just everything you do isn't memorable. Like, if I have something important I need to get done, I will call Bishop. Right. Yeah, but but, you know, but, no, but, fair, but fair enough, though. As much as Bishop hops up everywhere, so does Magic. Magic is everywhere. Especially anything True. that's involving anything in, involving the mystical universe of, of Marvel, because she was in that Doctor Strange book, which we'll touch on later. But like, yeah, Marvel some things about up that everywhere. Stuff. But Magic can do that. She she bends time and the actually no, it literally makes sense that she can do that because she she can time travel. So that's the thing people just don't talk about with <laughs> Magic that she can time travel. That's an aspect of her power. Is the reason why she, I thought. Um, in some book, I don't remember which it was now, she was going back in time to take lessons from Doctor Strange and Magic. Yeah, it was in the previous um, 
I think it was Uncanny X-Men, the one where they were looking at Cyclops's team and Wolverine the X-Men. Yeah, I think it was Uncanny X-Men that they were doing that. So yeah, she was time traveling for that, but she's also, like anytime she's in a magical situation, she uses her time travel powers. So she time traveled to meet Storm's like ancestor, Ashaki, and she trained, she didn't train under her, but she was looking for something. And Katie Pride came with her. So they were just exploring the past in Egypt, in Cairo, back in the day. Um, and like she does that shit sometimes. It's not a thing she literally does all the time, but it's a thing of like magic doesn't care about anything. So why wouldn't she? It makes sense for magic to be everywhere because she can be everywhere. She's Hermione Granger, that fucking time turner. I feel that blue like I hate magic. I don't hate magic. I actually really enjoy her. But that's all I have for X Corp. Um, I pay it dust and I wish to forget it. And I'm going to probably after this week. Okay, so up to the X Men. X Men. All right, so we are heading to the lovely world of X Men number three, which is by far the best book right now, uh, hands down point blank period this book features a battle between the x-men against the hot evolutionary who is our version of great value mr sinister um the book opens up pretty much with them being warned that like look somebody's coming to the atmosphere we don't know who the fuck these niggas are x-men this is your job because x-men are actually being treated like a real superhero team versus treating like a bunch of outside misfits um the hot evolutionary lands with his daughter Luminous, who has Swagger Jack, one of Storm's hairstyles, during um, Operation Zero Tolerance, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, but they come bearing gifts, and one of the gifts is this spear that can render human beings basically sterile and then able to conceive more human beings. Um, of course, you know, Rogue is like, girl, I'm not having it. Me, you have history. I don't know why are you here. So she, she just sucker punches him, and she's like, look, he could take a hawk level ass whooping, let loose. And so his daughter, Luminous, is like, oh, so it so she speaks for all of y'all. Polaris is like, yeah, son. Walk. 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 Right across the chin. Knocks her and a little rhino out. And then they summon the evolutionary guard, which is a bunch of um biomechanical and um uh, uh mutated like animals who are basically his militia. To fight the X-Men, you have all like you have elephants and bisons and and crabs and sharks. It's a lot of wild shit. Um lions, tigers, and bears. Yeah, pretty much. Um the X-Men are like and are now fighting back and forth. Um Gene is trying to stop this little sphere thing. Was it's actually it's actually give it a proper name. It's actually called a nihility sphere. And he said all his ships carry one. Um, child, <laughs> that man has a problem. Um, so basically, sinks, sinks, sinks with uh, Sunfire, and it basically set that man on fire, but that clearly didn't work. And um, Sunfire gets mollywhopped. Wolverine's on the ground fighting, doing her shit with Cyclops. Um, Jean is trying to contain the spear while Polaris is in the fight with Luminous. Luminous basically has the abilities of Scarlet Witch and um, Quicksilver, even though like the way she's displayed as a character, it doesn't really look that way. Um, but for whatever reason, um, she supposed to be that girl, but she ain't that girl. She's not fighting. She ain't really doing shit for real, for real. 
But then Sink realized that he could snatch, he could snatch anybody's powers now because Sink has, of course, evolved. And Sink can now grab non-mutant abilities and basically threatens um, High Evolutionary with the, with the ass with of his life. But he's like, literally like, look, I cut off my daughter's powers. I don't need you to have them powers. I cut them shits off. But he's looking like, wait, 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 wait. You can get powers without touching motherfuckers, so you better than Rogue? Okay. We need to have a little conversation. Step in my office, son. We have a little conversation, a little tete-a-tete. -tete. We need to talk for a second. Tell me a little something about yourself. How'd you get here? How long do you want to work for this business? You know, then why do you want to be a mutant? Do you want to, there's something that you're looking for? It's just like, what do you see yourself in five years? And, you know, the high evolutionary is trying to, you know, you know, post this nigga and, and snatch him up from the X-Men. But of course, like, Wolverine is like, nah. And so Sink is like, oh, oh, wait, wait. Mama got feelings for me. Sink is a Pisces, like myself. <laughs> Sink don't know no better. Sink is like me. He's like, wait, wait, you trying to defend me? That means you love me. We are in relationship, okay? He shared a whole lifetime with this woman. She knows nothing about it. They are in relationship, okay? So he realizes that, like, in order to end this battle, he just needs a drop of his fucking blood. And uh, Wolverine, the real Wolverine, the one that I call Wolverine, what I accept, Lord, Lord Kenny slices his finger and literally gives that man a drop of fucking blood. Like, here's a drop, girl, if you get him off my planet with this shit. And the black man, hello, the black man saves the motherfucking day. Even though Sink mentions that, like, this is going to bite them in the ass eventually at some point, but he's like, okay, give Nice the blood and let's see what happens. So in that exchange, before before that conversation really does happen, Gene and um, high, high, high Evolutionary have a conversation, discussing what's really going on. And basically that, like, because you niggas have allowed a Rocco to happen, the universe is after y'all and they in this place called Game World, which is, which is a byproduct of Mojo's world, it's coming after you. Cordyceps Jones... Cordyceps Jones is after your ass. I'm telling you now, he don't do shit for me. That's what, that's what, how evolution said, like, nigga, ain't, he ain't on my level. He'd be for play play, but I'm just telling you right now, the nigga has his eyes set on, on Krakoa and Arako, and y'all need to be on y'all shit. But my girl, Polaris, daughter of Magneto, she ain't nothing but her father's child, okay? She got her mama that's face doctor. from Jackson. Dr. Right. Dr. Polaris. Dr. Polaris. PhD. Put that respect together. right on her name, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Respect to Dr. Polaris. She she got her mom, she got her mom based and daddy, everything else. So Rogue is basically like, Rogue is basically like, oh yeah, they whipped our asses. So uh Polaris being a messy bitch that she is a list for the drama, talks about, okay, watch this, watch it. You get the last look and watch this shit. Hey sugar, did you know your old man had a kill switch for your powers? You messy motherfucker. <laughs> Luminous the fact, like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Later, what the fuck you said? You know what I mean? So that clearly will create a problem later. But at the end of, but after all that, in the exchange of everything going on in this episode, there was a psychic exchange between Jean Grey and, and the High Evolutionary explaining what is going on, understanding that, like, that human beings are inept and that you got to do what you need to do and that this game world thing is, like, do not take it lightly. These motherfuckers is after y'all. Please take this shit seriously. Like, it is not a game. Please don't joke about it. Um, but then they come, they, they get some recognition from the from the local people. That's one thing I will say about the last two issues is that, like, any community that they've been in, they've gotten love and appreciation and acceptance, even though they called them the Avengers, which was racist. Um, 
We ain't gonna talk about that. That was racist. Just we call can. Me a witch breed. Don't call me no Avenger. Right. <laughs> call him a fuck. Call him fucking. Call me a friend of Mordred. Right. Exactly. And this and enjoying these like these kids and having fun and and Gene and uh, Scott as captains of the X Men realized that, like we need to switch the team and 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 do some more intel, some other things. There's some shit going on. I mean, to figure this out shit very quickly. So they they uh, do a psychic paper rock scissors. Um, of course, Gene wins, and <laughs> and even the right, right apparently she, she cheated, but like you know, no, she cheats at rock paper scissors. She tried to act like she didn't cheat, but she cheated. She cheated. So they about to put the team into two, into two, um, into three and four. I think I don't know if they said who's going with who yet. They haven't said yet, but the team's about to split. We can half. wager. Um, My wager. So I have a wager, so I'm gonna wait until you land. I have a wager of who who they split it up like. I, I'm I'm gonna see how right I am. And so then we close the book out with the conversation with Faye Long that um that redneck um who wanted Mars but didn't get Mars and making a deal with Orcus. It was like basically like you know, if you do it great, we win. If you don't fail, then you die. So I mean, we still don't lose because nobody knows that shit, the shit even happened. And then it also follows up with another conversation with um Mr. Yurik who was. The guy who was interviewing the X Men in X Men number one, and he gives him information about resurrection. So now it's about to be public information that resurrection is possible, and the mutants are living eternally. And we have some shit about to pop off. We don't know what, but there's the tea has been spilled, and uh, thoughts, concerns, accusations. I enjoy this issue because it's it always. Every X-Men issue, I want to say, deals with things on three different levels. It's not just a superhero comic. They also tie in, like, social implications shit. Because the, I have a lot of talking points I just wrote down, but the main thing I wanted to echo that you just hit on, Henry, is that, you know, the Redneck, um, I don't even know his real name, so we're calling him Redneck from now on. Officially, he's Redneck. That's his, his code name, Redneck. His name is, so his name Redneck, is Long. His name is No, nah, his name is Redneck. <laughs> <laughs> His mama named him Redneck. The mama that abandoned him named him Redneck. And so that's his name he gets across mutant kind is Redneck. Redneck, he pointed out that if he dies in submission, which means that the X-Men kill him, he will become a martyr. And I really looked at that and I was like, oh shit, he's right. Because that's how people in power deal with everything. That the mutants will be very much in their right to kill Redneck for what he's about to do. All because he was jealous about some shit that he didn't have any responsibility getting done in the first place. He's like, I would do this in 10 years. You didn't do it now, though. So I don't know what you're so crying, you're crying so hard about. Maybe you could have just like built a colony, which is they're going to do, which is a good alternative. Um, they're going to put pressure, it seems, on the idea that the mutants have a law against killing humans. Because we all know if they go to Mars, they're not dealing with Krakoa anymore. They're dealing with Arako. And Arako has a different set of rules. And if you're a human and you come there and you leave that little safety net, they're going to kill you. And the way you set it up to take only the racist humans, the first time you say something like a gene freak, you're not going to be just nobody. Tarn's going to walk up in that bitch. <laughs> Tarn the Uncaring is going to walk up in there and turn you all into chimps. <laughs> Which I'm really excited to see. I know this is going to blow up. I know the redneck is half that civilization, the colony he's about to build, they're all going to die. And it's going to be on some Roanoke bullshit. And I'm here for it, even though I know that this is exactly what they're looking for. The moment a mutant kills a human, especially him, 
is Dunzo for the X-Men. Um, and then the other thing of weaponizing the media against marginalized, marginalized people, if you were in journalism, if you are messing with journalism, is a very real thing um, in that they're using the people who quote unquote are meant to uphold the truth and hold things accountable and represent things as they are rather than what they will do. That journalistic integrity shit often comes back to bite people in oppressed like situations. So handing him someone who is just a known snitch, the idea like, hey, they cured death. How do you feel about that? That's something that he, by integrity, like knowledge, even though he came there as like, I just have some questions. Like I've never been against mutants. I'm very pro what you guys are doing. I understand. Like he wrote favorably about the Iraqo um, terraforming Mars. He said, it's very scary if you're a human, but he says, but looking at that, you can just understand that that's a representation of the potential we can reach. And it shouldn't be seen as a bad thing because look at what we've done to mutants since they shared the space with us. Like he was for it because he is like, this is just the truth of what I'm telling you is that what we just saw is supposed to be a marvel at what the earther species, us all as one could have done together. But instead we pushed them away. So it's only theirs now. And we have no one to blame but ourselves. At the same time, he's looking at a situation where a select group of people have the power to come back from death. The thing that terrifies all mortal life, death itself. They cured it and they didn't share it with us. And it's like, it feels a bit different compared to like the drugs thing, where the drugs, they at least, like, yeah, they held it against us, but like that's their way of leverage. They were every right to do that. The death thing, it is giving very much this plot of Black Panther. It's like, if you guys all have salvation and you have the opportunity to share it, why don't you? And the answer to that, me as a Black man, is well, it's because if you guys were immortal, you would just wouldn't stop until we are all dead and you guys have the mortality and now we just have death. And that's just what we know you're going to do. But on the flip side is, yeah, but don't you still, if you believe in a dream where we are as equals and you aren't still going to wipe us out, wouldn't you just share that anyway? It's an interesting little scenario they're setting up here for the X-Men. I just can't figure out, so this Mr. or Dr. Stasis that's at the end of the book sort of looks like Ultron from the side. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. I was gonna say, because you could see like the little red wings. I was like, <laughs> So I'm like, is Ultron trying to get in on this Orcus shit? Like who all is, in, like Orcus is really getting higher levels of involved with, with niggas. Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm very confused here, but also- said, you niggas are done. <laughs> right. But I'm also like, intrigued whenever um high evolutionary pull, pulls up on the x-men because he's done it several times before um he is the low budget version of mr sinister and mr sinister actually taught him about genetics but high evolutionary is also sort of interesting in his own because i believe when he came to earth this this time he was coming from counter earth his planet mm -hmm. Um, because Sword was like, uh, hey girl, that came from the other side of the sun. We didn't even see that coming. So um, y'all better <laughs> figure that the fuck out. Um, and it's also interesting that uh, Luminous is there um, and she has Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's powers. So I, I would be interested to see how that plays out later on if the Maximoff twins become mutants again rolling my eyes they're not fucking with her 
<laughs> no, I fucking with Luminous. She was such a flop as a character, I want to say, even in the Uncanny Avengers issue. Because it's yes. like, A, the powers just don't go together. I would say if you're going to do a mix, like she's a Charmira. Let's just call her a flat skin Charmira. If you're going to make a flat skin Charmira of something, give it better powers. Like just super speed. That's all you want to do. Like you want to go there, go full length Monet. Give her super or strength. Like, mix in. Do all of uh fucking Magneto's children mix in Polaris also? Like, well, see, the, interesting. See, the thing is, is that like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, the she thing for me is like, they did. <laughs> did anybody read um, Heroes Return? Yeah, I read bits of it. I know that I know, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Because, like, they did... So, basically, Heroes Returned in that world. Uh, Quicksilver died, and somehow Wanda absorbed Quicksilver's abilities. So, like, she was, like, much more dangerous in, than this luminous chick. Like, she wasn't afraid to use speed and throw hex both at the same time. Like, she's ready. Like, she almost knocked out... What's his name? I think they name was The Blur. She, mm-hmm. like, whipped that man's ass. Like, she smoothed, like, whipped that man's ass. So, I'm just like... Loomis is like, I don't know, she's just chilling. You already stole Storm's hairstyle. You know, you want to be T-Boss. So... It's like Quicksilver isn't even the best speedster on the planet. Northstar is. We've established already that Northstar is faster than his nephew. And his nephew is literally the same amount of power as his uncle. So it's like, if you're not even competing with the mutant version of that, you got bad genes. He got bad genes. Is he wrong though? Nope. He got he got the Wrangler. He got the Wrangler superpowers. He got on bad genes. Exactly, and I think it would be interesting if they combined them. It wasn't just like oh, you just have two different power sets. Just mix them together. Go full flash speed force because the speed force is basically magical speed. That's all it is. (laughs) The speed force is just bullshit. And I will appreciate just having bullshit powers. It was just like, oh, it's the power cosmic. No one knows what the fuck it does. Or the Nova Force power. What the fuck is their power? We don't know. Or Hus. It's the Green Lantern power. <laughs> Basically, but is it? Is it really? No one really knows. What is the Green Lantern ring anyway? They make up bullshit for it every single issue. It makes no sense. They just do things. And I'm more tolerant of that because, you know, me, I like magic. So I'm like, if you just tell me you can do it, I will believe you. Just make sure that the stakes don't get dropped. Um, but on top of that, in the situation I was reading that when he took Luminescence's power, and I remember like, oh, yeah, Sink has never duped Wanda Maximus' power before. I was like, how interesting would that be? Because he not only copies powers, he makes it better than the person who owned them originally. Which is why I said that he's an Omega, probably an Omega level. I'm going to call it now that he's an Omega level mutant, um, specifically in power mimicry. Is that I don't think he if he boosts their power. He just um, he can duplicate their power, so he isn't like he boosts he, it. It was established in Generation X. He he's like he gets a hold of your power. He X, that, I don't know about the expeditions of it, how much better it gets when he gets a hold of it, but it was established like if he gets your power, like, he took over Hex's power. I mean husk, where she like snatches off her skin and like she does whatever she wants to be under it that she could understand she does. He copied her power and then he used it in a way that he, like she never was able to achieve. Um so he takes your power and it was like, yeah, he takes it up a notch whenever but he's he takes only it. able to do that if he has a better understanding of your power than you do, which is why he was changing 
I'm sorry, why he was training with Gene at the top of um, that X-Men uh, issue because he didn't understand how to use telepathy and she had to teach him. It, it depends. They go back and forth with that a lot in the comics. I think literally because telepathy is one of those powers you don't just need like the power to have it. It requires intricate training as well. Because Rachel Summers like established that when she lost Emma Frost and was like, yeah, you're stronger than me. You're a more powerful ability than me, but you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And like, I do. I have years of experience. It's also why Xavier, when he went toe-to-toe against like Dark Phoenix Cyclops, he was able to restrain him because he's like, I know the tricks of how to make this work and you don't. You're still just bullshitting your way through it. So training is important for that. But also I think just because Sync respects people's powers, um, that's a talking point I have also for this issue regarding like people calling him a power thief and how it's turning into kind of a slur situation now. Um, I'm not sure you guys even saw that thread, but it was a topic on the timeline for a bit. Um, but Sync has this respect for other people's powers almost in every single time I've seen him where he's just like, oh, I'm not just taking it. I'm like acting carefree with it. Like if I borrow your powers from you, I look at it as a gift. And so, like, learning telepathy with Jean Grey, that makes sense because Sink has respect. He's like, oh, you probably know so much more about the philosophy of what it's like to be a, a telepath. So I want to experience this, this through you. Or like, oh, he duplicated Forge's ability and he didn't just go take his power and walk away like Hope Summers would do. He, like, invited Forge to come hang out. And they were hanging out and getting to know each other's power and, like, going, oh, this is so cool. How does it feel for you? He is a highly empathetic character, so his power makes sense. But I didn't know if that was like a thing where he needs to understand your power separately because it never really seemed like it was established that way that he needs to understand it. It seems to be just a natural thing of like, he takes it and he can use it. Whereas Rogue takes it and she has no idea what she's doing sometimes. I think the thing that's really kind of telling is that when Rogue absorbs somebody's abilities, she's also downloading their memories as well. So she should have full use and understanding what abilities that she has. But then it's always so funny is that like the thing that I think that that Sink has that a lot of the girls don't have is imagination. So yeah. like he may in surface understand that look, you have telepathy. Oh, maybe you we try this, you can do this. He has like imagination. So I think that's why he thrives with better people's abilities than others. I do think it's slanderous somebody calling him a power stealer because that's not exactly what it is. And also his ability is not like something where like he just goes and is like I'm just gonna take your power without your permission. He's like, you know, I'm gonna sink for the better good, not to serve me. I think the thing that I would love to see is a what if or something with sink being a villain because he's a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> or 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 they have to make him like like or like if Apocalypse knew what, what he could do back when he was still like technically evil evil. And imagine Sink was a horseman of apocalypse. Oh shit! I say famine. I think if he's gonna recruit him for a horseman, he'd be famine. Like, like Sink, Sink could be oh, a very. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I was. I could see him either being famine or war. I can definitely see him being either famine or war. Why war? I don't know. I just felt like. With him, he like with him thinking other people's powers and stuff. If he was to use it in more of a like an offensive type of way, I think that it could be. I think it could go real bad. 
I definitely think it could go real bad. Like but then I can also see somebody. I can also. Yeah, like, like instead of but just I, copying, he, he actually takes it from you because he's next to you. Yeah, but I could also, but I also could see famine too because of him snatching that power. So, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> It's interesting, especially because I think Sunfire was like Sunfire was a horseman. I'm trying to remember. I think he was the horseman of either war or fam. No, it was famine because his whole power he had he was given a secondary ability called like the hunger or something, and like he would absorb the heat out of things to feed like this unending coldness in him that was given to him. So he would like drain the heat out of people and leave you like a a frozen husk, without devoid of any temperature at all. It was just, like a whole thing. That they're really not talking about. Sunfire is just there to get his ass beat. I, I'm noticing because he's just getting his ass beat left and right, um, damn near every single issue. <laughs> he, uh, I, I hate to see it for him because I'm starting to like Sunfire. I don't know if it's his costume or the fact that he's like, he seems to be like generally repentant from like how he used to be, where he was just an asshole with the team. He's like, yeah, every single shot I've gotten as an X-Men, I never really lived up to what I was doing. And I think it's time for me to elevate my status as a hero um, rather than just be the guy that everyone remembers for calling Cyclops a white man on nonstop repeat, which, you know, you weren't wrong. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Sunfire has never been wrong. It's just that you don't have to be right in an asshole. Um, so his shit got rocked in this issue and he was put out of commission like very early on. Um, which was a smart idea because like Sunfire is the powerhouse. I was going to say the people I am wagering on going up into the planet into like the the game world are accurate. I was going to say Rogue, Gene, and Sunfire will go up there. Potentially Tolaris as well, give or take. I just know that if you're going to go up there and your whole mission is we're going to walk in no questions asked, and we're blowing the bitch up. That's the team you're taking with you. Rogue, Gene, and Sunfire. Um, and then you will leave Cyclops sink for the clear reason that he's the redundancy. You need a telepath, leave him down there. And Laura, so they can finally have the conversation of like, yeah, we were giving each other fuck me eyes back then, and I knew I was giving you fuck me eyes, but you got that mask on, Laura, so I wasn't sure if you were vibing with me. Let's have this conversation now. I would have that and just Polaris potentially down there because you need a manipulator. Um, and it's just fun to have Polaris involved, you know? It's always a great time. So See, that's the team I'm imagining. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking the team is going to be different. I think it's going to be Gene, Rogue, Sink, and Wolverine, and then Polaris, Sunfire, and Cyclops on the other team. Because the thing that thing's going to happen is that, like, they always use sync is a redundant so like you already have one power absorber on the team and then you mm -hmm. have two just in case rogue is like down or whatever case may be and i think also the thing is too is that like gene knows about the sync situation with, with with wolverine and rogue is compassionate enough like a sister like look this is your man you need to be with this man because you love him <laughs> y'all supposed to be together being in a relationship and i think that like Medea. Right. And I think, but I think also, like, but then on the other side, I think that, like, the other team will be much calmer, but I feel like Cyclops and Polaris need to have a conversation about their fault, about that, about Magneto. Because they both have their own understandings of him, 
in a fatherly way, in a weird way, but I think they need to have a conversation. And yeah, of course, think, like, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think that Cyclops needs to be on Earth to witness the revelation that he's exposed for being dead. Right. So having died, he needs to be there to witness, like, oh shit, I'm in the news. Um, call up, you know, what's her name? Wind Walker. I forget her name entirely. Call Wind up our PR person. Wind Dancer, call up her. You need to do PR. So <laughs> it wasn't me. It was an alien clone. I will lie my ass off. Yeah, I, I feel I, like, I mean, I would love to see that, though. I, will, I But I really, I really, I, I really, I'm really am rooting for Wolverine and Sync to be together. I would love a lovely Afro-Latino mutant to come out of this. I think mm-hmm. that, like, that would be really great because, like, you know, because the thing is, like, I like the fact that, like, Laura, um, is a brown character, and I think people forget that that our Wolverine is is uh, is Latinx, and mm-hmm. that I think that like the Latinx representation on the team needs to be expounded upon. I think that like, um, not that not that I don't like Logan Wolverine, but I know that Laura is the future, um, and she definitely showed up in that Logan movie as the future mm-hmm. of the, of his franchise. Turned that cross into an X. Like, that was beautiful. Because she, because she's like, she's the first legacy character, really. Yes, she look, is. Like, like, because a lot of DC characters are very legacy, but Laura is definitely the first X Men legacy character. Where and she inherited like, a title, and no one could argue against it. It's like, yes. yeah, she's the Wolverine. That's his daughter. Yes. Like, that's his baby girl. <laughs> right. Like, she is. She's more of a Wolverine than Doc and ever will be. Ever will be. She's like, the, and, she's and, the and child. Not saying that, no, Doc and has to face the facts that Wolverine never wanted a son. He wanted a boy to be just like him, but Wolverine always wants daughters. He'd be collecting always. <laughs> he is like, I am, uh, I am, you know, my daughter's father. I have Jubilee. I wanted Oya, but I had to pass her on over to, you know, to let her go to Storm. So I'm collecting children and I'm training them how to use swords. Kitty Pride, right. He loves also, his and also, nobody's gonna take Dakin seriously either. Dakin just doesn't seem like he's very dependable at all. At like all. you can tell, you can tell, you can tell. Yeah, and you could definitely tell that he was trash, especially when that thing happened to um, uh, Gabby when she was murdered. Like he was just, he was just doing off doing his own thing. So nobody's gonna take him seriously. That's what I can't wait for that to be resolved. <laughs> I want that heart to heart because I need him to realize that he fucked up. And as a big brother in that moment by like not being there for Gabby. Because like it's not like, oh, I was messing around, but nothing bad happened. It's like you are like the, you know, like you you were off fucking around and then your little sister died. It's it's some hereditary bullshit. Like <laughs> you were off, and like the worst possible thing that could happen is that she died. And now, like, I don't care what they say about the resurrection protocols. I mean, I think that can be severely traumatic for a child. To go through the resurrection protocols because it's like you just died during a formative year of your life right i was like that's i was like that's that's some therapy shit. right and 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 docket is not his father's child because wolverine does not leave his girls behind Mm-mm. under no sir under nope. no circumstances like Dokken thinks with his he's not first. his father's don't child. Think nothing about nothing the fuck else he amen his dick amen. first and that's why he developed pheromone control. Well, Doc is a bird. 
He's Dawkins a whole bird. Like he That's the problem. He's a whole bird. Yeah, Dawkins looks like he would have a severe UTI if he didn't have a healing factor. Like, he looks well. I'm, 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 I'm just saying, he looks like he would have, like, a really bad UTI. Like, ain't no cranberry juice getting rid of that shit at all. Hey, Doc, you know Dawkins is on prep, but that's his, his healing factor. I can't, I can't with y'all. I am sticking right past that. <laughs> so, all the other people with hood rat energy, Dr. Polaris. So, Dr. Polaris was definitely giving Star from, um, from the hit show Star, and I appreciate it. I love that when Rogue squared the fuck up and threw a fist, Polaris followed the fuck up. <laughs> I really appreciate I really appreciate this rendition of Polaris because I'm like, it gives more aspects to her personality other than I'm a daddy's girl with daddy issues. And like what we're seeing in Tribe Magneto of her is like kind of like it's okay and acceptable, but it's not the Polaris I'm learning to love in these X-Men comics. Um, because her just being like, I'm turning up and like, I'm disgusted with everything going on. Uh, <laughs> you guys are a little iffy for me. Um, it's a lot better just to seeing than just seeing her as, oh, she's mentally um, unwell and she's bipolar and she's dealing with depression and she has daddy issues because it's that her father is also dealing with mental issues and she's got so much guilt. I'm like, no, let her have fun. Let her be the one that she sees her friend fighting in the club. Polaris is going to jump into. There's no voice of reason here. Polaris is a city girl. Her and Rogue are the city girls of the X Men. JT and Carisha in comic form, both of them. You have my homegirls. Oh, we all fighting it. Let's get it. Like like JT and, and uh, Dr. Carisha of, uh, of, of the X Men. They they the city girls. That's what they are. Both of them. They the city girls. They they I've I've seen two like Polaris be ready. Polaris mantra is you ain't got to get ready if you stay ready. That's who Polaris mm-hmm. is. She's always ready. I ain't seen somebody on ready all the time, but Polaris. And let's talk coffee about coffee in her hand and all- too. She didn't throw something at someone. She didn't shoot energy beams like her father would. She turned a scrap of metal into a fist around her own hand and slapped the shit out of Lumineer. She went straight for her sister. Her sister's and, sister, she, and then immediately said, um, "Just a little reminder: when Rogue says not to hold back, we throw fucking hands, bitch." <laughs> right, 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 right. She, she was like, "We can get, we can catch that fade all day." <laughs> Rogue said, "Don't, and, and don't that, hold and back. No, we and, fucking and, y'all niggas up." And the truth of matter, that's not the first time that uh, Polaris has used AAVE in her um, speech. On the sh- on, in, in the comic because she said something very similar in the last issue. So whoever I'm, Polaris is hanging out with, it's Sink. Is she hanging out with Sink? <laughs> it was Sink. Either you know, Sink or a real team, prodigy. It's either Sink or oh, a real oh, street oh, bitch because oh. that's some that's some street shit. <laughs> right, because like clearly uh, Polaris is the Helen Mirren of the X Men. She loved black culture. She's she's invested into it. She's like, look, I look, look. I know I ain't I know I ain't black. I'm I'm a white woman, but it's like, I love black culture, and she throw hands. <laughs> so I she, so she's like, I throw hands. Atlanta, and I take that shit. Right, right. She's the like, Starbucks she had like, was fresh from Atlanta. Those in Prospect Park. She was she lives in Prospect Park, and she takes a portal. <laughs> right, every day. 
every single so, damn day. With that being said, oh no, I want to do you want to go in one more thing really quickly. Um, other than just Cyclops getting humbled and the fact that he's not leading this team, actually, he's just here for comedic relief because you know it's fun to laugh at him, but it's really cool. Um, I want to touch more about the fact that High Evolutionary was just horny this entire issue. Um, just for the austerity of it, because that dude was horny as shit. He wanted to fuck sink. He said blood. He wanted to slurp it out himself. And he felt it was a disrespect to watch Lorna roll up on the dude he was trying to pull here. I said in the group chat earlier that high evolutionary is sinister. And sinister's whole science stick was a sex thing. Because he was horny this entire issue. His dick was erect. This <laughs> is watching Sink take his daughter's power. And I just wanted to point that out. And I also would have preferred if instead of them leaving, if Sink would have took Lumineer's powers and did a full callback to the extinction event, to devastation event, and just said no more evolutionaries. And they just vanished. That would have just been that would have made this this A issue into an S. A plus. I want I just want that extra little bit, a little callback. And what would you do if you had Wanda's power? You would replicate the most iconic moment she ever had. And you just say no more bullshit. What do y'all think um, High Evolutionary is going to do with Sink's uh, powers? Because he's clearly going to use them for somebody. He's going to make basically a clone of Sink. I think he's literally just going to make a duplicate of Sink instead of having Lumineer. Because I think that is a whole thing right there we just saw of like, she's here, but she's not really the most perfect she could be. And like very much like how he kind of just threw away Wanda and Quicksilver. He's like, you guys were special for the moment, but then I made this right here, and she's better than you. Um, I think in the same capacity, he's gonna make a new child, a son, who's literally the thing I'm looking at with NSYNC that makes him really interesting is that he's a walking mutant circuit. Hmm. The thing I think is really cool about Sync is that he's a walking mutant circuit, and so Within that, I think he has the potential to wield every mutant power on the planet if he actually tries to do that shit. He only needs a very specific combination of shit. I think one of those combinations is Prodigy and Hope, and he will be fully capable of doing it. I think that's going to be the major event we're going to see later on down the line with him, with High Evolutionary, is a mutant who's a reflection of the entirety of their species in that solar system. Because if Sink really pushed himself that far, he would be the most powerful mutant in existence. He would be on some Matthew Malloy bullshit. Because he never stated so only he was copy one power at a time. That's just what he does. He can copy duplicates of powers because Rogue can copy um, multiple powers at once. He can do it. It's just that you don't see him doing it. I think uh, High Evolutionary is just going to use it in much the way that Sinister was collecting X-Genes to give himself powers that Mm -hmm. evolutionary is going to give himself sinks power so that he can just start copying shit so that it helps him with evolution uh, sorry with evolving or whatever it is that he does with genetics now because i don't lost her <laughs> i mean he's not bad at his job they beat cyclops's ass so and you know though i love seeing him with his ass beat cyclops is not an easy person to, to be he fucked up captain america he has that star on his chest. I fucked up Captain America. And I know he waves that shit in his face every chance Multiple he got. Multiple times. He has beat Captain America at least twice. He's like, oh, hi, Cap. Hey, Steve. How you doing, buddy? How's it feel? I know Cyclops is, gets his jollies from beating cops' asses. I know he do. 
Because as much as Twitter calls Cyclops a cop, he don't fuck with cops. Cyclops, it, Cyclops is a is a reformed Boy Scout. Nothing like a white man who's disillusioned with the system. They mm-hmm. are the truly insane ones. Um, but any other comments or questions or concerns regarding X-Men, the most perfect issue of the week? Yeah, that's the best issue of the week. I would say the best was uh, X-Men, the worst was X-Men. I definitely agree. Even across of everything else we're going to be discussing this um, today, I think in particular X-Men carried the weight of like, it started off weirdly, but because it started right in the middle of the action, there was no hesitation. And they also were able to push everything forward. There's no more of that back and forth bullshit. I like it. I'm happy that this is going to be a sustainable rhythm we're going to be having. And I'm ready for them. I'm probably going to put down the, I might as well just buy the series and just hope it lasts for way longer than everything else. I want to see X-Men issue 100 and it's actually 100 issues. Okay, so on to the death of Doctor Strange. Um, and I'll be really quick with this because it's not really that much, but it's every Doctor Strange issue, if you don't know, the first issue you get is just rehashing A, the old stuff, but B, looking into how magic is going to work because really they change it up every single writer. They don't agree with it. There's no office of X-Men. There's no office of magic. Like there is an office of X-Men where they like stay on top of the continuity shit. Um, so it opens with Doctor Strange in his crappy, dirty room, taking a nap well past noon, um, and just like trying to get over the hump of like being Doctor Strange. Like the Sorcerer Supreme job is busy. Um, you literally are in charge of maintaining the magical order in a barrier. Within all of that, the we open quickly on like the ghost dog, which you recognize if you read any Doctor Strange's issue, coming in and saying like, hey, Strange, it's time to take you for a walk. Um, you need to get out the house because you've been here, you kind of stink. But also like, you're depressed, we know you are, girl, let's just get back to it. Um, Strange goes about his day, just going about enjoying life. Um, but he's thinking about this sorcerer who he knows about, who committed an act so that he could be immortal and that he split up his soul so that he could extend his life force well past the means of the mortal concerns. Um, and it's been of interest to him because he's the Sorcerer Supreme. He knows that with that role, he won't be here forever. He's like, yeah, I have all these powers given to me because I hold this position. And yeah, I know all of these things, everyone respects me, all this stuff, but it doesn't mean I'm gonna last forever. My job literally is to die um, for this. There's no escaping it. There's no loopholes here. There's just the knowledge that one day it's going to be my time and there's going to need to be a successor after me. But he said, but I'm going to be dedicated to making sure that's well within the means. It can't happen. I can't fill in the job and not have someone else immediately ready to pick up the reins. Um, So he just goes about his day hanging out with other sorcerers. He goes to the Strange Academy and there's some bullshit going down and with their mom with the mission. And they're like, there's something coming. And they know something is coming because everyone in Magic can feel the tide of it, like, picking up. Um, he goes to hang out with Magic, who we just talked about, who is one of the mutants of Krakoa. She's a war captain. Her power literally is to create portals to throughout space and time. So she can time travel and she can move through any dimension she thinks of. There's no limits on her power like there is on Nightcrawler. I think the only comparable person to her in terms of range is Manifold. Um, and so she's like 
fighting demons who just escaped from limbo. And that's when we learn for the first time ever, because she hasn't been this for years, that she has retaken her position as Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo. Um, so with that, it means that she can also no longer be the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth, and she cannot be Sorcerer Supreme of Morocco. So a lot of people have been questioning whether or not she would pick up those, those potential um, titles she can't anymore because she's still looking after limbo even though you never really see her there and it's very accurate that she does too fucking much but she can time travel so i don't think she cares um so they go toe-to-toe with the demons and you know magic makes a quick little slight remark to her her mentor she's like this is really embarrassing as a source of supreme limbo to hear that they have gotten out and you would think dr strange would be like really lighthearted on her and say oh no it's no problem i'll help you out instead he gets kind of he gets kind of forked tongue and talks at her sideways and goes, yes, you really need to do a better job. And he's like, this is the first time I've ever seen Ileana not threaten to backhand someone for some shit like that because magic don't fucking play. You can't backtalk her. She will kill you and she will cover up the murder efficiently so she doesn't get arrested. This is the first time it really shows her respect for Doctor Strange that she doesn't stab him in the chest immediately for that bullshit, but I'm gonna let it rock. So magic is like, yeah, my fault. I'm sorry. And she throws all the demons back into limbo and she tries to seal it up. Um, but there's definitely something strange in that they were even able to leave because they're not supposed to be able to do that. If you know magic, she has complete control of that dimension. Just by her existing, the landscape itself reflects her emotional stability and her own emotional needs. And so anyone traveling to that world or from that world should not be able to do that. Um and so they go back to the school and Dr. Strange talks about like this role of the Sorcerer Supreme, how important it is. And he's like, I make no, um, I make no jokes. I make no over-exaggeration. I'm not trying to appeal to your humor. He says, the next Sorcerer Supreme after me is in this room. One of you kids are going to replace me. And it's really strange that this isn't in the Academy books because people have been trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with that school for the longest. No one knows why it exists. It doesn't make any sense. But now it seems to be clear that they're trying to figure out who's going to follow up Doctor Strange. And they basically admitted all the kids, it seems, that are going to replace him. And so that's the role of it. That's why Brother Voodoo is the headmaster, because Brother Voodoo has experience as a Sorcerer Supreme to know who, in particular, would have the qualities to replace him. Um, so it seems to be that covert thing is going on that they're trying to groom the next generation after them. Um, they hang out with Brother Voodoo, but for some reason, there's not that much scenes with that. And then Doctor Strange goes home. Someone's waiting for him when he gets there. And in no short time, Doctor Strange is murdered by someone he seems to know. It's the mystery of the arc. There's no telling who it does, but it sends a ripple throughout the entirety of the magical community where magic, Wong, Brother Voodoo, Brayer Mortal, everyone senses the death of the Doctor Strange and the death of the Sorcerer Supreme. And immediately the barriers protecting Earth fall apart. And then the Purple Dimension, the Fault Team, all these other magical worlds that exist in the Marvel Universe starts trying to invade the planet because the portal is no longer there to protect it. And now the planet's numerous countries are going to threaten to destroy magic, and, like, it's full chaos. A portal opens behind them, and Doctor Strange steps out from a different timeline. This is the OG Doctor Strange. Um, vaguely Asian-looking Doctor Strange, vaguely 
weirdo, narcissistic personality, Doctor Strange is here to save the day. Brother Voodoo shows up on the scene and he's like, yo, what the fuck's going down? I think he's gearing up to pay on the mantle again. I was hoping, but I guess not. He's not able to do it. Um, it's bullshit, but okay. And we lean into the day, the death of Doctor Strange himself, um, meaning that they're going to change the status quo. Typically, death of titles, as I've learned and as many people know, doesn't mean that some character is going to stay dead. It just means that they're changing up something about the character going forward. And I'm guessing that this means that we're no longer going to be dealing with this chronic narcissist that no one likes. And we're going to be playing around with some new themes and new people. So it leads into all of this because the death of Doctor Strange definitely impacts Arako itself now. Um, before, Earth was the only thing in their solar system and that they're the only people who really dealt with their bullshit. Now that Arako is populating it, it seems to be that the X-Men are going to have a way in on what happens to the magical universe as well. So yeah, that's this issue. Did anyone else have any observations about the death of Doctor Strange? Um, any applause? Because I know I don't fucking like him. Just that it's interesting that we haven't seen or heard of Baron Mordo in God knows how fucking long. And he pops up in this book um, as uh, the one nigga that was like, so if Doctor Strange is dead and I didn't do it, I'm pissed. So whoever that is, <laughs> I'm working with y'all because I'm supposed to kill that nigga's ass. Even though every time <laughs> they face off against each other, Strange thoroughly <laughs> whoops board, uh, Mordo's ass. And it's really sad because Mordo's not a bad sorcerer. That's the weird part about him. It's just that Doctor Strange cheats it's every single time. Mm-hmm. It's every time Doctor Strange cheats. And like it's it must be insulting. That's probably why he wants to fuck in or kill him so badly. I'm going to be honest. I'm 100% sure they probably have fucked already. I don't think Doctor Strange is straight. Like you can't be a warlock. Those masks for mask. Like I don't really. I think you know he stalks someone (laughs) in like grad school. He's like, oh, I'm high enough, you know, a hole's a hole type of dude, and that's definitely like because you can't be like into magic and be completely straight, you know. Like it's something a bit, you know, lucidly clear. With a med school um, classmate, like the one time. That's it. You said, you know, I didn't swallow, so it doesn't count. Right. It's not gay if you don't. Plus, he's from Philly, and you know, Philly, Philly dudes, there's like, <laughs> if no one else is around, and a tree falls in the forest, and no one's there to hear it, did you actually suck the dick, or was it just your imagination? Um, There's a lot of good art. Like, I will say, like, one of the great things about Doctor Strange comics is that the artwork is always compelling, because it has to be, because it's a part of the culture of those comics now that you do, like, mind-bending shit with the comic books. Um, like he sleeps in his bed and like instead of like having a blanket, his his cape acts like a dog and that it's, it lays across the bed with him. I'm like, that's cute. I appreciate that. It's never Doctor Strange I like the most about Doctor Strange comics. It's everyone else around him. It's the dog, which if you don't know the comic, you don't you didn't read the last issues. He had this magical talking dog that followed him everywhere. And like a really sad moment that actually made me tear up was the dog died because he was trying to save um he was trying to save like Doctor Strange and he had a heart attack because they were fighting in front of him. He was just trying so hard and he died. And Doctor Strange snapped and tried to kill someone because his dog got killed. It was a it was a John Wick moment. Um 
one thing I don't always respect about Doctor Strange comics is how they they spit on Brother Voodoo as like basically they make him into a sidekick where he, even when he was started he was never Doctor Strange's sidekick. Um, he's more like Shaman in that they also show Shaman having sensed everything because Shaman is also one of the like big five sorcerers of the Marvel Universe. Um, it's Shaman, Brother Voodoo, Wanda, Doctor Strange, and Damon Hellstrom. Wiccan just joined them. He's a new bitch. Don't worry about him. And Magic only features sometimes because she does not want to be bothered with the rest of those five. Those five sorcerers don't do mutant stuff. They never help out. They're never there. They're basically Avengers. Magic is busy fighting demons who want to eat mutants. But it's the same exact role. Brother Voodoo serves the Black community, basically. He deals with Voodoo shit. He deals with the Orisha. And, like, that's what he prefers to do. His mantle... Someone tried to check me on Twitter. They were joking. I understand that. But, like, I get pretty serious about it because everyone's like, oh, why do you call him Brother Voodoo? His name's a doctor. He's a doctorate. I'm like, it's because his role fundamentally is about his Blackness. Like, he he's a skilled sorcerer. He only learned... And what... Dr. Strange took a year to learn. Brother Voodoo took two weeks. And so he's more formidable, but he's like, that thing he does was designed by Haitian slaves to protect them against slavery and like the numerous bullshit that happens to Black people because of magic. That's what he does. And so I'm like, I call him Brother Voodoo because that brother part of it doesn't change his doctorate, but at the same time, it's really important. Um... But they don't focus on him at all. They just say he's weaker than Doctor Strange in every single comic. They literally said it like to mock him in several issues, and I don't like it. Um, Rick Remender, I know this is kind of low-key an anti-Rick Remender council, and I appreciate that. The one good thing he ever did was those Doctor Voodoo comics. And that's why I will leave it at. Yeah, I like um, that Doctor Voodoo run. I just am really sad when um, respect is not put on Voodoo's name when he held two titles at once he held houngan supreme and sorcerer supreme at the same fucking time and beat out hella fucking other sorcerers to be the sorcerer he supreme slapped the shit out of dormammu that first issue where dormammu was talking his shit he was like you just here to bring me the, the um the amulet in the first place you're not really all that special and then voodoo was like you can't fight my magic. Literally everything I am is better than anything you could expect from Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange really isn't that good. And his mantle when he was in that position without the Sorcerer Supreme title proved that he sucks. He is bad at magic. He is not good at that shit. When they say Doctor Doom is the superior, I'm really happy that leads into a good segue for that last, for the last Annihilation. Um, when they point out just like the fact that that Strange isn't the best Doom was, and Strange isn't technically even top 10, is important because it points out the fact that no one wants to adopt the Source of Supreme title. That's like being like the hit master of fucking um break bills. Like no one wants to be that shit because you literally gotta sacrifice your life on a daily basis. Shaman could do it, but Shaman's like, I would rather deal with these, these Canadian Aborigine shits and fight Wendigos than like have to go fight the Shumagorath from the ninth dimension or wherever, or just have to deal with the things you got to do. The house sucks. It's a horrible house on Bleecker Street. It sucks. Honestly, no one wants to do it, but that doesn't mean that they're worse than Strange. That's where I'm leaving it at. 
Uh, Strange has a low affinity for magic compared to all those other folks who had a high affinity before they were even trained. So Loki said that. Loki was like, you you can't when they broke magic, Loki was like, you're actually not good at this. And you are too proud to ask for help. So people have to go around your back to protect your ego. And that's not good to have. It's like literally saying that Doctor Strange, you are a source of supreme with white privilege and you don't even realize it. Last annihilation. <laughs> so speaking of magic, um Dormammu was doing some bullshit with the planet. Yeah, I was doing some bullshit with the planet with ego. Rest in peace to a real nigga ego. You know, he didn't need to go out like that. So um the last annihilation will come. So this takes place after uh, T'Challa and the Rebels free uh, the intergalactic empire from um, uh, Emperor Angelica. I think that's how you say it. Uh, so in Baku, it starts off in Baku. It's at the memorial for, um, you know, what's her name, Nakaya? Nakaya? That's how you say it? Nakia. Nakia? Okay. So he's at the memorial for Nakia. And basically, he's trying to figure out where home is, and he's trying to redefine his name. Um, in Baku, the name in Baku is uh, a bad reputation with that name. Um, he's coming off as sort of a parental figure to uh, Emperor Angelica's daughter, Zinzi, who is uh, possessed by the god of the past. Uh, so, Abigail Brand of Sword informs T'Challa of the milestones attacking the Shi'ar planet Ari. Ari falls into a uh, pentagram uh, that Dumormu set up throughout the galaxy. And he, um, planet Ari is one of the five planets that he needs to conquer in order to come into our world. Um, and she requests um, T'Challa's help to, um, to help the Imperial Guard uh, fight off the Mindless Ones. So T'Challa, uh, who's trying to bring a better name to the Empire, um, offers M'Baku the chance to uh, bring honor to his name and to Wakanda. So M'Baku, who is the rebel leader, forms uh, a squad consisting of Shuri, Manifold, and Vibraxis to um, head to Ari to help the Imperial Guard, which I really, really like the dynamic of that group. Like, they, they're pretty dope. Uh, so they jump into battle. Um, they help send off the mindless ones. Deathbird is pretty pissed. She doesn't trust them. She threatens them. She's like, if y'all try some underhanded shit, I will cut the shit out, basically. So Manifold, uh, discovers that the mindless ones are terraforming um, planet Ari's moon. And um, in that event, he creates a portal to Earth to ask uh, the Wavari, I think that's how you say it, the Wakanda sorcerer for help. He says, this is a sorcerer supreme issue. I don't have shit to do with that. Um, only advice that I can give you is not to get confident. So the portal closes. Gladiator um, tells Mbaku that um, we still don't fuck with y'all, so we need y'all to go to the uh, 
the planet, uh, excuse me, go to um, the moon and help thwart that attack on the moon. So the team goes there. They try to stop the minus ones. It doesn't work. Um, and Baku, he kind of figures out what Swavari was saying about the um, about the attack. Um, excuse me, about um, trying not to get conquered. Um, so he go. He has manifold transport the team to Planet Bath, where it's the Cuckoo Array, which is a vibranium satellite network, and it has the power to basically uh, rip a planet in half, and that's also caused the conflict with the Shi'ar. So um, during um, the Imperial Guard evacuating uh, Planet Ari, Deathbird, Gladiator, and Smasher discovered the team was gone from the moon, and they decide to pull up on um, the ship. And Mbaku comes out to try to talk him down, and he gets his ass beat, basically. So um, the mindless one sh shoots um, a beam from the moon, and it's absorbed by the, um, the satellite network. Um, Shuri says that she wants to absorb the magical energy so they can use it to counter them, but um, vibranium and magic don't mesh well together. So um, during that time, um, the Minus Ones attacks the satellite. The team tries to fend it off, fend them off until the energy analysis is done. There's complications that happen with, um, with that and um, creating a countermeasure. But Storm and T'Challa pop up with Mysterium, and Mysterium has magical properties. So um, Vibraxis Manifold and Smasher they work in a unison to replace the satellite cores with Mysterium so that they can absorb the energy and basically redistribute it. And basically they wipe out um, the mindless ones. And the Shi'ar and the Wakandas basically had a uh, victory dinner. They talk about um, opening in, um, communications between the two empires. Um, and the book ends with M'Baku being regent of uh, the Wakandan Empire. So, um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed this issue. Um, I definitely liked the team dynamic, and it was very, uh, I'd have to say it was very interesting seeing um, M'Baku get more character development. So, what was your thoughts on that? I really like this issue a lot. I like any issue that features manifold heavy, um, yeah. but I also liked um, that they are expanding use of the other Wakandan heroes other than just Black Panther and Shuri, um, that I really liked the appearance of Vibraxis here, that he made a lot of sense. Um, and then I liked their explanation of the differences between Vibranium and Mysterium. Um, yeah. Previously, I think my understanding of Vibranium was that it had like a little bit of um a magical affinity but their explanation here actually clarified the differences between vibranium and mysterium that mm -hmm. vibranium is more like a techno magic type of metal and mm -hmm. mysterium is more of a straight up we can absorb and redirect and do something with um, magical energy uh, type of metal so it was good for this sort that sort of explanation um, and for us to see sort of the differences there i also stand the fact that Storm is just going to be wearing this Hellfire Gala outfit for forever. So yeah, she's not taking that shit off. Yeah, not, uh, I really don't want her to stretch in this. 
Yeah, I really don't want to take it out. I also love the dialogue between Storm and Black Panther where she's like, well, you talked all this shit about Mysterium and now you have to use that shit because your shit don't work. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that so part. That, yeah, so I really, I really enjoyed that dialogue between them. I think that was one of my favorite parts. And then also Manifold trying to shoot his shot at Shuri trying to take her on a date. And she's like, nah, nigga, we're not going to Planet Ari. We, you got to take me somewhere five-star. They no way, absolutely really. stand their relationship, and I want it yeah. to be like explained and, and further expanded on. Because they yeah. started talking, like I want to say the last series, because Manifold was before Manifold left um, out with T'Challa. He was like he like admitted like, yeah, I like Shuri. Um, I want to date. Um, I want to get to know her. I want to go study. And <laughs> And they were like these subtle in the relationship, but then he went to space, got amnesia, and became a terrorist. So, so he had to deal with that. I also want to point out the fact that Abigail um, sent Manifold to go deal with the N words. So, yeah. he said, "You hang out." With and he's not even correct. He's not even black, and they and she sent his ass over there. I mean, I think that's a whole thing that we discussed before during the Twitter Spaces era, where we were like. Bishop is sometimes aborigine and sometimes he's just full on black. And I think they just settled, split the difference and say he's mixed. I think that's what they're going to do with Manifold pretty soon. It's just Manifold's mixed. He's half aborigine, half, you know, straight up African American or just plain old Nigerian or something. They're going to figure it out because they're he's like, me, I'm straight up. They didn't they explain in one of the he's straight up aborigine. He's straight up aborigine. Yeah, I think he's straight Ethnically, up aborigine. He's aborigine. But I think they're probably just going to like they retcon Bishop so that he can fit into the black storylines as half black. So I I think they might just do like he's biracial. It's just that there's no white involved there. But correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't he have some type of relation to Gateway? Didn't we discuss that? That's his mentor. It was like he taught him everything he knows about controlling his power. It's very, okay. very subtly implied that they might actually be blood related, but that hasn't okay. actually been stated. Yeah, because um Gateway is Bishop's grandfather and Storm right. is his grandmother. Ew. We're never gonna explanation about that. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> and Bishop's oh, okay, okay. Um, mentor wait, wait, wait. was he, also he, he, Gambit. It's very confusing. He can he can have you can have a grandmother. On the other side of family, we can be the grandfather on another side of family. But I feel like Monet is in there somewhere too. Like Monet saying Corey's in there somewhere too. It's because man and Monet was trained by Gateway as well. It's a really complex. Listen, I, mean, I just recently learned Monet's full history. It's really convoluted. <laughs> she was trained I, by I, Gateway. I need that backstory. She was also taught magic from him, but she never does magic. It's a weird story. It's so weird. It's weird. And it's, I don't know. Um, but definitely Manifold was trying, like, I, they were saying, like, oh, I'm going to go on a date. He's saying, I'm trying to fuck tonight. This is <laughs> saying, So whatever can happen, um, this is our first date. Um, and trying to get on the flight on a spaceship. Um, one way or another or another, we're gonna have mutants in the Wakandan royal family, so they need to get over that shit real quick. Because Manifold, he's shooting the club up, he is feeling fertile, and he feel like he don't want to work no more. 
Because technically, Manafort don't got a home. Storm ain't fitting to get pregnant though, because she don't, you know, she don't raise no children. She don't do that. No, no, nah, nah, fuck Chimera. Chimera who? You don't know that. I, even though I want Chimera and Azari to pop up in the six one six and and hang out like um, Bishop and damn Rachel and Cable all have, but you know. It's time for the House of Aurora. You know, the House of Elves needs to happen. She's the regent. She's the queen. We made that monarchy. I know I'm anti-monarchy typically, but you need a family that, you know, is just actually powerful. I'm like, line them up. Azari got this. Azari will fit in well with Araka. Chimera will fit in well with Araka. Just get the House of Aurora started. It needs to happen because it's giving. Um, yeah, I would love to see a house full of elementals. That would be... That would be right up her alley. And Manifold was shooting the club up. You know he's not pulling out. They're he's not. not. <laughs> he's not pulling out. He's you not know, um, to. you know, Shuri has that Wakandan plan B. She is prepared. <laughs> well, Manifold speaks to the stars. So it's just gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I'm ready for them to go steady. I think this is a really cute issue also like with seeing M'Baku being like a dad and like putting her puff all in her hair. I said, that's adorable. And she's saying, is Storm coming with you? Because you know, Storm's going to put be there. You're not going to die. And I was like, look at her understanding basic facts. Exactly. I thought that Storm is there, you'll live. T'Challa's there, you might die. T'Challa, he'll get the job done. You're not going to live to see the results of it, but he'll get it done. I've really enjoyed yeah. how um, the intergalactic uh, empire of Wakanda has like the duplicate characters named folks mm -hmm. um, and how the the empire versions of those characters are actually a little bit more interesting than the um, earth version of them. Because so, M'Baku, the earth version is real like, uh, this feels a little racist. And um, M'Baku from the Empire actually is like, oh, you, you're like a whole character that's not like racism. I'm happy they didn't shy away from that. Like M'Baku going to see his namesake and he's sitting there at the altar and he's going like, I come to find out that my namesake isn't the hero I thought he would be. And it's kind of like a sketch situation. And he's like, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable and for rightfully so, because like, white girl white ape like what the fuck yeah when i was like he cut off the skin of a white ape and put it on i was to, to get his strength i was sitting there i was like yeah that's a little bit uh yeah and it wasn't right. like it was a magical thing it would be more different he was like oh yeah this is a magical ritual and i'm a sorcerer he said like, i was just insane for a good summer i was just doing shit <laughs> That's why and I'm that, very glad that even in the, the MCU that they chose not to call him Man Ape, that they chose to just stick with his regular fucking real name because racism. Yeah. yeah. Where, the is, where the fuck did they even get Man Ape from? It was just wild in the 1960s, honestly. It was just doing shit. It was a bunch was of Jewish white men just naming shit. They didn't know yeah. no better. Yeah, definitely. They, they're like, there's several characters in the, in the Marvel um, landscape in the 616 that were just accidentally dope. You know, there are some characters who really shouldn't have made sense. Prodigy is one of them. Prodigy, by turning him bisexual, Prodigy accidentally became like a black church boy who was queer. Because he was really straight-laced. He was real Obama-like. And it was an accident that people relate to him because how straight-laced he seemingly was. 
Storm's another one. Storm should not be as dope as she is. It should not be possible. And yet we got that. And yet we won't give her up and they will never own her again. Um, T'Challa really shouldn't give and wasn't giving until they let Black men write T'Challa's comments, except for the times it got kind of misogynistic. Yeah, Christopher like, Priest's run where he was doing the um, the original version of the Dora Milaje that were just um, his intent, his intended brides at some point in time, that was a little misogynistic. But like every explanation of everything Wakanda or Black Panther related after that has been like improvements on his character as, as a whole. At that time, he was cussing out Monica Rambeau and saying, you're not living up to your power. You need to step up and you are a queen. You don't understand that. And then the two old black men are sitting there going like, oh yeah, I bet he can have her now. That's how you better grow in place. I'm like, yo, this is... The Monica Rambeau, I know would have stabbed him for that shit. Yeah. And should have stabbed him for that shit. The reason why it never happened. Because <laughs> what the fuck? Who are you talking to? It was giving tiny easy coats in his 20s, and I don't appreciate that. So that, that was Monica Rambeau before um, she met Blue Marvel and got with the shits. Yeah, because you no, know, she's talking about like fucking with someone with actual sense and not the sense the child sometimes pretends to have, but that fucking joke that he made at Storm at her castle, like, like you want to talk about my magical metal just because you got right brain doesn't mean you own metal. Your shit's not even harder than adamantium. Let's talk about it. You can't outdo white man metal. To, to be honest, though, vibranium is more useful than adamantium. It's more useful. It has a lot more uses. It does. I will say that. That's about but it, though. It's, that's there it. are still people debating on if Wolverine can beat T'Challa. Not in <laughs> skill. I don't think. <laughs> it's never. Are you that's, serious? Let's not, let's not play. We know how that fight will actually go. But they're like... Adamantium can cut vibranium. I was like, yeah, probably with some effort. He's not winning that fight. No. Sure. Child will fuck him up. And Child wants to fuck him up. <laughs> One of the best things I've ever I've only, ever read. The only way that. Wolverine wins that is literally attrition. If he can just outlast Black uh T'Challa, that is it. Literally by the fact that he's immortal, is that technically I can win if I just leave and <laughs> just wait 60, 70 years. Right. It's the bullshit for me. But yeah, that is all I really had to say about The Last Annihilation. Um, like the entirety of The Last Annihilation itself was kind of a mud event. It was like it felt like wait, wait, to be wait, honest. Wait, wait, we didn't we didn't go through Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, that's what I want to talk about next. Oh, okay. Sorry. So like in the grand scheme of things, I think that's um, actually a really nice point to push into the Guardians of the Galaxy aspect of it all because it kind of tied everything together but I think in a way that it wasn't like cohesive. I think they're doing events at Marvel now just to push comics out and like this could have ended because it didn't feel like it felt like they're trying to give that big like final ending of like fucking Avengers versus X-Men where everything the smoke settled and the war was over and they're like okay, but guess what? Cyclops is evil now, but it's like, he's not really evil. It sounds like he's just aware that white people suck, and the powers that be won't extend to him the same privileges, or other mutants the same privileges that he expected them just to give, unless they're forced to, and that the powers that they're, they used to reinforce 
can't be trusted on their own. And so someone has to hover above society and say, if you don't act right, we will shoot you with a red laser. It felt like they were trying to go for that, which was the huge moment I started to like Cyclops. Here, it didn't give. So Henry, do you want to go over that? Yeah, so we head into the final part of the last annihilation with Guardians of the Galaxy number 18. At this point, Dormammu is whipping ass. He is literally on every planet doing what he needs to do. But Dr. Doom comes up with a plan that requires another pentagram with the assembling of Drax, Moon Dragon, Starfire, I'm sorry, Starfire, um, uh, Star-Lord, Groot, and himself. Originally, Gamora was supposed to be the fifth point of the pentagram, but somehow magically it's going to be Doom, and this is where we are going. So the point of the pentagram is to absorb power, direct power from Dormammu, so he can like so they can slow him down. And in the midst of that, um, they're on Centauri Prime while the Doombots are fighting the Centauri while they are doing this pentagram situation to get everything moving in, in together. And at that moment, Dormammu immediately feels the backlash and he starts to slow down because his powers are starting to be siphoned from somewhere else. Um, in that moment, Gamora and Nova have set up this giant ship that they were given from Cable and Cable reloaded to shoot a Mysterium bullet straight through that man. So... At this time, Rocket is setting it all up. Um, they have siphoned off enough power, and Doom has teleported everyone to where they needed to be to make sure that they stopped Dormammu. Um, part of the conduit of powering this bullet, this proverbial bullet, is Star-Lord who charges it, and then um, I guess Noah will be the mechanism to fire it. So he's inside the bullet, and he's going to... So basically, Star-Lord's pushing his power into Nova, Nova's using his power to amplify it and then to fire off. He's basically the ignition, the spark, the gunpowder. Um, so, like, I will say, I guess you could say the Star Lord's the trigger and Nova's the gunpowder. So, they basically use Gamora to be the, the sight and the target to be the sight on the gun and basically shoot Dormammu right between his eyes with the Mysterium bullet and they defeat Dormammu. Well, let me say, this does seem like it's anticlimactic and this went, and this went past really quickly. Um, point of being was after this was done, there's a conversation between Doom and Sister Taliotis of, of, of who was a scroll who was intending to use um, another planet to, I guess it's like formerly Ego, but to use a planet. No, 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 I'm wrong. She was um, planning to take over Centauri. So this is all like kind of set up and not a setup, but while they think that they were like siphoning the power off of Dormammu to slow him down, basically the power went into Doom and Doom is hiding the power secretly. Um, and he's really out for the mutants because it's really about him wanting revenge against the mutants. That's what he's really pissed about. The he's uh, upset that Storm wouldn't fuck him. So right. both Storm right. and Psylocke wouldn't fuck him and so he's pissed. <laughs> so he's upset and he wants revenge. And then after it's all said and done, everybody's at this bar called Gosnells on Dolo Mayan, and they all have a conversation about it. But Rocket, Rocket is like, um, I smell a stunt. I can't put my finger on it. Like, why is there a stunt? But I feel there's a stunt. Some shit is going on. You know, Doom always has something up, up his sleeves. But we're not done with that man yet. Something else is coming. It just ends with them all like drinking and having a good time. You know, you got Star-Lord and the Guardians of the Galaxy. You have Storm and Sword with Abigail Brand. You have the Wakandans with, with M'Baku. 
and everybody's having a good old time, just relaxing and just like we saved the day. But Doctor Doom has something up his thumb or up his ass. Something under, deep up his ass. Up, so, under <laughs> ass. so I guess we'll see. Like what Doom is concocting. I do think that this thing is probably going to spill over into Doctor Strange's death situation. But I guess we have to just see. Most likely, that's Doctor Doom's only friend is Doctor Strange. Quite literally, they are the only, they are best friends, and it makes sense. They're both insane megalomaniac white men. Um, I think this one of the moments I usually say is I don't like seeing Storm in other people's comics that aren't X Men because they tend to depict her wrong. She feels out of place. Here, I will say she feels directly in place, and that's why I'm going to say that turning her into a galactic hero was a lot better for her storylines because the impact of seeing Storm on the scene on Earth, you don't feel like it should logistically be a problem. And space is a lot more dynamic. Um, I will say also that everything here checks magically. Um, Dormammu, if he does appear in a planet, he claims it. So it was about to be some major shit. I think I would have preferred to see what the world would look like if he kept hold of that planet rather than just dying. Because I'm like, you guys just killed Ego. And I know he's, I know Ego is not really heavily featured a lot in a lot of things, but it feels kind of fucked up that you guys just killed the living planet just to give her a Dormammu. I'm like, there's not an alternative to that. It's really fucked up to me. Um, Doom was just doing, like you said, he's a drama queen, he's a drag queen in distress. And literally all of this boiled down to him not liking the fact that Storm wouldn't strap him. And I get it. You know, I understand what it feels like to be rejected by that. You know, I'm sure Cyclops went through this moment too. That's why he was on his bullshit with Emma and on his bullshit with Jean and on his bullshit with Madeline. He's on his bullshit with every woman because he can't have Storm. And so I get it. But you don't have to cause a galactic war and untold death just because a bunch of mutants said you're not good enough. I just think like, it's very... It's, um, I really like this book. I was surprised that it, it just ended abruptly like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that they had they showed so many different variations of uh, queer couples. Um, but I also noticed that something that Al Ewing um, has been doing, but that sort of uh, folds into mutant circuits. So in his Ultimates run, he showed how um, Blue Marvel can par- power Spectrum, can then power Captain Marvel, uh, Carol, as sort of like uh, a, a circuit of non-mutants. That he did it again in this book with uh, Star Lord and uh, Nova. That they powered each other to then power something else. Um, so I sort of am appreciating sort of a, a theme going on there. And, but I'm just going to really miss that um, this is the second book now that's been canceled this year um, that had mostly queer members of their team um, that we're not going to see in an ongoing book anymore. Right. I enjoyed the Star Lord a lot more. I, I liked his vibe as just generally being like, I'm an insane person with cosmic powers. I'm like, I appreciate that aspect of you. I like this growth in your abilities. It's like he's the sun, the land, the vapor, and some shit. Like he's, he has this esoteric quality that's like, uh, that gives like hippie vibes, but galactic hippie. And I appreciate it. I like the fact that he seems more like a vertigo wizard that's something like a doctor strange where he seems like i just talked to the universe and it just does shit for me 
Um, I like it. I also, did they kind of just imply that Nova, him, and Gamora are like a polyamorous triad? Yes. It felt like that. Yes, very much um, so. They've been a, a, they've been a thruple for a while. But they, this was the first, like, book that flat out said it. It didn't feel like they flat out said it, but it or was like, there's no other way you can interpret that. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's like having Wolverine, Jean, and Cyclops with their joining rooms. It's like, is a small thing because you can't really say that, oh yeah, they're a thruple and keep it consistent in a Marvel comic. They wouldn't fly for that. But you can like literally just imply it and like, duh. It's like, yeah, I love him too. I know you two are fucking. I love him like you love him. It's like that y'all y'all fucking each other. Just just fuck each other and be happy. Um and don't don't die, I guess. Well, I guess this is going to lead into you doing the circuit party. So you want to say what you at? Um, so yeah, so this week's circuit party is about Dr. Doom and the fact that he is the interstellar diva that everyone else where they are. Um, I hope out of all of this, he at least got Mysterium strapped um, for his future needs so he can strap himself rather than getting angry when our divas, Captain Britain and storm do not feel the need to entertain his bullshit i don't know i think the thing i don't like as much about this comic is the fact that dr doom is now just back to his cartoonishly evil ways and i think i like him better in the way he was in superior iron man where he was like i'm trying to redeem myself i understand that the way i was was really fucked up I'm still an egomaniac, and I know I'm the only person who can save this world it's so hard for me to be better than all of you. But I'm like, technically, Doom isn't wrong. Like, he is more capable than a lot of the people that the Earth puts faith into. Like, he's a better sorcerer than Doctor Strange. He's a better scientist and inventor than Iron Man. He's technically smarter than Mr. Fantastic. It's just that he gets in his own way a lot. It's like everything he says technically isn't incorrect. It's just that why are you also evil while doing it? Doom's biggest downfall is his own ego. He always gets in his own way. He in his solo run that um ended, I think, either earlier this year or last year, um, that was also really good. The that was the big thing that he was at the the juxta of the story was that there was some big event that was happening. Doom was absolutely right about fixing the problem and how to do it. And then he undermined himself because he thought that Reed Richards was trying to be a dick to him. Like, Doom's downfall is always the fact that he feels inadequate when he is actually superior. He's on cocaine. I know he's on coke. I know there's a little dispenser in that mask to dispense coke at will. He is on cocaine because that's the only explanation for his like consistency as like, okay, you're doing kind of dope. And then his mind just shatters and like he's acting paranoid. And I'm like, you are on serious drugs, my friend. And I'm concerned for you. I think Dr. Strange as his only actual friend should hold an intervention, but that would require Dr. Strange to care about other people that's not him. I and think, that's not, nah, I think Doom has Reed Richards is technically his other friend. That's not a relationship of equals. They don't hold each other accountable. <laughs> they don't like each other. They're like, there's a toxic friendship. They can't yeah, stop being it's not around a healthy each other. Friendship, but it is absolutely a friendship. His healthiest friendship is with Doctor Strange. They, I completely believe that they hang out with each other just casually. 
and like when he took over the secret um to go over battle world and he was like i'm the supreme emperor and my best friend is my lieutenant and and like the only person he invites to anything when he needs something dealt dealt with is strange and he's the only person doom doesn't betray in the end it's like yeah we just did this shit in hell and i don't pretend like I didn't just sacrifice myself so you and my mom can be free. I don't pretend like I just wanted to do this thing. And it's like, strange, like, no, you didn't. You literally just are, you just did not want to see me get hurt. <laughs> it's a healthy dynamic between them, but they're also both insane. And so you will never see it paint out like it needs to be. And I'm, like, that's I'm what just, I appreciate. I'm very interested in how that plays out in the future when they they eventually tell the story of how uh, Valeria takes over the mantle of Doom from Victor because she's in the future is Doom. I'm like, ooh, she's gonna kick his ass, and that's gonna be interesting. Because isn't she also his familiar? Like she, she did yeah. like a magical bond thing. Where it's like, oh, this is a reflection of me, very much in the way that the Doom boss were in this comic, where it's like they're all me, magically speaking. When, and I um, think Sue was given birth to her. They went. They had a similar issue, like uh, when she was giving birth to Franklin, that there was some big energy spike and something. And they went to Doom to help give birth to Valeria. And in doing so, he cast a spell on her as his familiar. So he can see through her eyes and all that. Yeah, they like don't disagree with each other. Like Valeria is kind of a she, sociopath. She Valeria, doesn't have emotion. When she needs... Um, she doesn't go to her daddy when she needs tips. She goes to Doom. She's like, yeah, 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 Uncle I'm Doom. already smarter than my daddy. Let me go talk to Doom. <laughs> she says, Uncle Doom, they're treating like a child again. He says, oh, poor girl. I know exactly what it means to be smarter than every one of your parents. They're idiots. Don't concern yourself. <laughs> and But also the interesting thing is Strange and Valeria don't like each other. Strange also sees her as an adult in his head. But at the same time, Strange is bad with children. A and B, he just does not like her. It's like very much he's antagonistic towards a child, and he's done it in the past. Other children, Strange isn't a good person. I think I hope our listeners understand that I know this about him. He's not a good person. Um, he was a but, member of the Illuminati, so by default, oh, he's done worse shit than the Illuminati. Oh, this know. motherfucker is evil down down to the bone, and he pretends he's not, but he is. He is. He like anyone who would fuck all his students is evil. Like literally, he every apprentice he has ever had that isn't Wiccan, and only because, quite honestly, Wiccan didn't get any lessons from him. He was supposed to train him, and then Doctor Strange just didn't. Um, he's fucked all of them. He has fucked Clea. He has fucked the librarian. He has led to the death of a teenage girl. He taught one spell that no one really talks about. And he only got brought back up once, and it was like, oh, I was so sorry for that. I just forgot by accident because of the spell situation. I'm like, no, but like you got her, you got her thrown into, she wasn't even dead. He got her thrown into an oblivion dimension where she was just tortured for like five years straight. Dr. Doom for Sorcerer's Supreme. That I would prefer to see. Because um, I also mm -hmm. vote for Dr. Doom as Scientist Supreme. He deserves. Thank you. Give him all Give him all the jobs. He has the capability to do it all. I maybe mean, he can make himself a. Looks like maybe I mean, he can make himself a robotic storm so he can stop trying to fuck yeah. ours. I mean, he's a little misguided. He had one. But, he's a little misguided, but. Yeah, but I do like Doctor Doom better than I like Doctor Strange. 
Doom, I like when Doom is a hero because something about when he's being heroic while also being an egomaniac is just beautiful. <laughs> like when he decided to be the superior Iron Man and then like everyone in S.H.I.E.L.D. was like, please don't, Doom. Like, please don't. Like, I think we literally only win because you're not on our side. He says, no, no, no. This is an act of servitude. I, me, Doom is going to save all your lives and you're going to be so grateful for it. And they're like, please don't do this, Doom. We don't need your help. He says, of course you do. It's your blessing. I'm blessing you with my help. <laughs> it's just always fun watching people have fun with Doom because he's just unbridled ego. And I, like, I like during that little infamous Iron Man run where he was he just rolled up on um, Riri and was like, oh, you need a mentor. Oh, I can help a little bit. I got you. We can work out. I got out. toys for days, girl. I know how to work this uh, this Iron Man armor shit because Tony ain't ain't uh, ain't about shit. Hey, Tony, be happy he's dead. He wasn't shit when he was alive. I'm better. <laughs> it was just so beautiful watching him just do dumb shit like that or getting into magical battles in an Iron Man suit because he points out like this suit is cool and everything. It has lasers and shit, but we know what it needs? Magic. And I was like, that's a good idea. I love Dr. Doom so much. And I do not like the fact that they regressed his character right back to being a cartoon villain for that reason. Because the complexity of Doom, especially in that Doom War saga of Black Panther, was the fact that he's not technically a bad villain. Everything he does is because he thinks the world doesn't operate in a proper way to ensure everyone's safety. And like Bass looking at him, though Bass is technically an evil motherfucker herself, um, duplicitous as hell she was like he's worthy of like going into the vibranium stores it's not that he's doing anything wrong he is pure of heart it's just that he's also a colossal asshole and so she's like I can't tell him no off the street that he's an asshole because I'm also an asshole and she just turns around and leaves him and <laughs> I was like that's the most defining moment is when you have doom next to people who think like that he is somehow wrong about everything just because he's mean about it. But really he's just like, he's basically the most powerful Capricorn in the world. Doom is absolutely a Sagittarius. That's all I have for, this turned into a Dr. Doom stand session because literally that's what the last Annihilation was, was just them trying to bring Dr. Doom, I guess, to the big table again. And hopefully it means that I don't actually, I don't want him as Sorcerer Supreme. I think that what this was was him becoming an eldritch um, being like Dormammu. Like there's a whole thing about these things that are basically magical gods that aren't gods, like Sidorak, like Dormammu, like Dormammu's oldest sister. Um, I forget her name. I think it's like Uma or something. Uh, Umar. Umar, yes. The, basically the baddest bitch, Umar? which. No, like literally, yeah, that's her name. She is, unlike Dormammu, she is Dormammu's older sister. But unlike Dormammu, she doesn't look like a burning rectum. She looks like a human being. And she's also 10 times more powerful than him. And he has this whole sister complex that everything he's doing is just because he's jealous of his sister. Umar also has the thunder pussy of the universe. That's her special power. That she fucked Hulk's brains out and like this defender's issue. And she... Like literally outstamined him. She's Clea's mama too, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, and so he has this whole complex about not liking her. So it's gonna be interesting now that they've actually killed Dormammu 
because I think that's the part that they didn't highlight in the last annihilation as much as they should have is that they killed Dormammu and Dormammu has never died before. This is actually I a didn't big think thing. They killed Dormammu because every time he comes into the 616 main dimension, he's, he's only bringing aspects of himself. Right. Like he brought himself fully. He did? Yeah, when he's making that form of himself, that was him here. Oh, I he thought was, that he was had to just manifest. Him, um, manifesting an aspect door. of himself into ego, but he still was trapped in the dark dimension. He made himself of ego, but he formed a pentagram for the most part. So he was able to come over here. The spell itself was to bring in a portion of his dimension here. Because if it comes here, then he, like they said, with a thought, he owns his world very much in the same way that magic, she can control limbo. Anything she thinks happens there. If he had brought that here, he would gotcha. do the same thing to our world. So he came here trying to pull the rest of the world over. So they shot him with a Mysterium bullet to kill him. And they pumped it full of his magical essence so that it would kill him. So, so, mm -hmm. so quick question. So we all know that Dormammu have a son, Doyle, that's in uh, Strange Academy. And I think one of those issues, it was he had a vision or something of him, I guess, basically being, the, I guess, basically being like his father, conquering dimensions and stuff like that. So with the Mormon being dead, actually, do we think that Doyle was going to replace him at some point? I think that's the scheme of things, yeah. I think this was him being born was like a resurrection protocol very much like what Drange just did when he died he had a former version of himself materialized here as a fail safe mm -hmm. I think Doyle exists for that one reason of like in case I die this thing will become me and I can just take it over it's like very much also like Evan Sabiner where like a, he's kid apocalypse and everyone's like oh yeah he's so cool he's so nice yeah. he's class president we all love him but secretly we all know nine times out of ten he's going to turn into apocalypse Got you. Okay. 